What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Joel Dells and John Tortorelli. This is now episode 259. In this episode, we're going to talk about LeBron's injury, how much pressure is on Jokic to win a championship, react to Dame's 71-point game, talk about the Knicks, and rank QB needy teams. This is now episode 259. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Yes, sir. How are you guys doing, man? Doing good, bro. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Two weeks off, bro. How are you feeling rejuvenated? I'm so far away from you right now. It feels weird. <laughs> like You look so far away. Now nah, I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling great. Right now, I feel weird because the sound of my headphones feel awful right now. Mm. feels very loud. Uh, my, mine sound good. How does it sound yeah. in the chat? Sound good? Sound good. They didn't think we were going to start at 715. I told them. You were my source. Yeah, Santos, you know, better drop that 50. We you, saw that. That's why you were we, my source. That's why the urgency was picked up. And this this got to be the last uh, episode with Tatum up there. We got to change up the vibes. We were talking on the play like yesterday. Uh, ever since the All-Star game, bro came back, forgot how to shoot the ball. Maybe a Jamal Murray jersey would be better mm. in preparation for the finals. Maybe he drops 40 tonight, though, against the Cavs, and we could keep it up. Yeah, I appreciate all the love in the chat. My vacation was pretty good. You know, I went to Arizona, spending time with a girl I've been talking to over there. You know, my girlfriend now. I made her my girlfriend when I was over there. You know it's what I'm tough. saying? Valentine's Day. Sure. Yeah, Valentine's Day. You know, I, I actually asked my girlfriend on Valentine's Day. So I killed two birds with one stone. <laughs> so every year, it's, it's you know, genius. we got we got one celebration. It's, it's anniversary. It's Valentine's Day. But yeah, Arizona's pretty cool, man. I, I was just vibing out there. I was still watching basketball. I was still definitely in tune with sports. I actually started my scouting process for the draft. And the first position group I started with was tight ends. Why? This tight end it's class, a deep is class deep. It's a deep yeah. class, but Michael Meyer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington. Washington. Washington's nah, they this tight end class is really deep. It is. Tight ends to start out with is pretty nuts. I started with quarterbacks. From yeah, I probably should have started with quarterbacks. The class is pretty deep outside quarterback where it seems a little bit Yeah, the it's uh it's a weird class because like there's not a ton of like blue chip type guys, I feel like. Um and then like outside of the top fifteen, it's like Shit, we, these guys could go pick 16 and they could go in the second round. So mm. I know a lot of things are obviously going to change with pro days and the combine that's coming up this week. But uh, it's, a, it's a deep class for sure. Just the top end talent doesn't seem to be there in uh, compared to like previous years. Yeah, Shout out to Santos for being a man of his word and sending in that 50. Santos. The urgency picked up. Now, yeah, my job with PlayStation gift card too. You know, while I was on vacation, I definitely tuned into some portions of the podcast. I saw the Christian Wood and Derek White debate. <laughs> I was very disappointed with how that turned out. It's the true pick a side debate. It is. True pick a side debate. Somebody commented on TikTok. That's this is the Mo Ali Cox debate of pick a side. <laughs> <laughs> Mo Ali Cox. What was the Mo Ali Cox debate? Somebody was arguing the Titans and the Colts receiving weapons, and he was like, the Colts got Mo Ali Cox. This is like when he was talking about <laughs> Devin Duvernay on the Ravens. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> nah, it's like it's a fourth option, it's Devin Duvernay. I'm like, okay, John. What are we doing? Is he that bad? He's not good. I feel like he's solid. Dude, he's... What do you think his career high in receiving yards is in a single season? 437. Four, is that... You looked it up? Or is I'm that just a guess? The 400s. Total guess. I don't even know if it's... It might be, not even be in the 400s. No, but... Yeah, 407 Christian, this year. 
the, the fact that you guys made it sound like it was so definitive that Derek White is just like this better. No, player the thing is, Detroit. Riv made it seem definitive that Wood was the better player, and that's what I had a problem with. Who would you rather have in your team? It depends on what I need on my team. Try and win a championship. I think Derek White is slightly the better option. You know, I do, but I think that you know, I heard Dell say he finally has his opportunity. He's shining. I mean, Derek he, White, he's been facts. in the league for like many many years. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. he's Derek White's probably not an ideal starter on a championship team, right? But as a bench piece, and then when you do need to start him, like we saw a couple of weeks ago with Boston, he could he could play his role. He's one of the best shot blocking guards in the NBA. He could defend, he could shoot, play make. I think the guy averages almost as many blocks as Wood. And <laughs> the other thing too, he's won playoff games before. Game three, second year in the league, dropped thirty in a W versus the Nuggets. Like he's performed in the playoffs to the point where saying maybe Derek White could be the face of the Spurs. Obviously, things didn't work out like that. But, face of the Spurs. I mean, he has been absolutely phenomenal this year. The combination of him and Brogdon is almost yeah. unfair to have. Right, Derek White's gross. a good player. And then what else? Oh yeah, you guys talked about the Kings without me. We did. Which was I was disappointed in that for real. Me and Drew were on the Kings side. Yeah, I, I'm, glad. I'm, I'm glad you were. I'm glad yeah. you were. I'm a Kings fan, too. Rip, Rip just apologized to the Kings, and now he's yeah. he's back on the dark side. Yeah, I don't And, know. John, you've been high on the Kings all year, and all of a sudden you come out, and you're you're saying there's no chance. Against Luka, I don't think they're winning. But that was of a week ago, before they started benching Josh Green for Justin Holiday. Strange. Doesn't make much sense. I Picked guess they guaranteed like that to him when they signed them. And then losing the Pacers at home, too, is weird. The Mavericks are like what one and four, one and three with Kyrie and yeah. Luca together. Mm-hmm. I think they're a better team now than where they were a couple weeks ago, but they are pretty big. I think the Kings could make a couple, they make that push for. They would make it a series for sure. Yeah, yeah King Twitter is on your guys' ass right now. King Twitter is, is large, man. They were at yeah, it is, it is it's a big, big I, group. I've been finally ingratiated within King's Twitter. Yeah, I follow, man. you know, King super fans, King King's Muse, King's Film Room. They follow me back. <laughs> You know, I'm ingratiated in the, in the Kings fan base and uh, fandom right now. Oh, my God. So Who, I, what I, round I one matchup do you want to see for them? Minnesota. Mm. Minnesota? Mm-hmm. That's his Honestly, other team. I'll be honest. I think that I think, I think think that any team they face is going to be an entertaining series. Mm-hmm. I think that if they face the Mavericks, it'll be entertaining. We'll if they play with Warriors. If they face the Warriors, it'll be very entertaining. I think Mike Brown versus Steve Kerr, that's going to be a hell of a series. I, I, think, I really think that the Kings have a chance to get out the first round. You know, I think there's something special about this team. They have a certain spark to them right now. They play now. the Wolves. Yeah. Be tough to miss the sixth seed, but Yeah. They could play the Clippers in the first round. If the Suns get the third seed. Yeah. They could play the Clippers in the in, in the first round. I don't know if I love that. They could beat the Clippers. They could. Clippers Honestly, they could. Yeah, Clippers fourth game overtime these last couple of weeks or this last week has, has really been ugly. And all season Ray's been talking about they're, you know, fourth quarter, not being able to close out games, blowing leads. A lot of it comes back to point guard player, lack thereof. Um, so, obviously, playoffs time, that's just going to get exemplified. So, shout out to Paul Murray. The GOAT is back. $2 donation. Oh, oh wrong. First time. First time. First time. <laughs> William, GOAT is back. $10 donation manifest, manifesting Zay Flowers to the Packers. Okay. Zay Flowers is a really good player, man. I feel like he's he's been getting some hype lately. I feel like there's a lot of receivers maybe the Ravens can use. I like I mean, the Packers, yeah. but you know, the, I, I want receivers to go to the Ravens. Todd Monken, that offense with well, they Mark need a Jackson. Ton. They need like four of them. They need like two. You know, Rashad Bateman and then two more. Yeah, can you trust Bateman? He's been hurt back to back years. Now you're a Bateman guy. Now I, you're I am a Bateman. Bateman guy, but I also realize he's been in the league for two years, been hurt two years. I, I, I appreciate Bateman, man. So do I. I think he's a good player. This is from Barbershack. Welcome back, Joel. Can we talk about John Morant and the stories that keep coming out about him looking like his character? Is not too good off the court. This is actually breaking news. 
that happened with the Grizzlies. And it was a story that came out earlier today. I want to get it exact. So I'm not uh, putting out misinformation out there. But when it comes, so John Morant, John Morant was accused of punching a 17-year-old boy 12 to 13 times and flashing a gun at him during a pickup basketball game last summer, according to a police report obtained by at Molly HC, who is a sports investigations reporter at the Washington Post. That was part of the report that came out from July. Yeah, I was going to say, this isn't the first time I heard about this. Yeah. Like, we've known about this report in, in the summer it came out, you said? I think in the early fall from the summer. Yeah, I mean. It wasn't as detailed as it is now, though. Yeah, there's probably more stuff leaking out or whatever, but it's not good. I mean, John Morant's had a few issues now off the car. He had the car incidents coming out, and we obviously don't know what's true or not, but when things start piling up like this, it's usually not a great sign. Like, I think it's disappointing what's happening with John Morant. I don't know where this heel turn happened, but John Morant, underdog at Murray State, wasn't heavily recruited, beat all odds, had a breakout year, is the second overall pick in the draft. I mean, since he's been in the NBA, I have not thought any of this these things would have came out from John Morant. His first two seasons, he was very humble. The Grizzlies were this likable underdog. And just as of recently, I feel like when the Grizzlies started to get a taste of success, it, it feels like their whole attitude kind of changed. And yeah. I think it starts with John Morant. He's the leader of that team. Sure. And, and now it feels like John Morant is just acting a certain way that he doesn't have to act. You're mm-hmm. in the NBA. You don't have to be hanging around with people that are a bad influence on you. John Morant isn't even on his second NBA contract. With the antics that he's currently doing and he's being accused of, hopefully they are not true, but you're, you're potentially costing yourselves hundreds and millions of dollars down the line for something so silly. It just doesn't need to be this way. Yeah, I don't think, at least at this point, we're at that you know time, or at least the Grizzlies are thinking this is maybe something that's going to prevent them from giving him that second contract. They gave um, it to him last summer. Huh? They gave it to him. Oh, he got a second contract? Yeah, well, oh, he, okay. he's not on until next year. He's, but he's the money's NBA is guaranteed. So, I mean, barring something ridiculous happening, but... It's not it's not great for John. You said it like he's the leader of this team and he's super young, so maybe that's not fair, but you're also the number 2 overall pick and you're getting money that's probably not fair to most people living in the world, right? You're making yeah. more money than most humans will ever make in their lifetime. So some some of that comes with unfair expectations cuz you're getting paid unfair money, right? So you know, that's a big deal, especially for the NBA where it is one and done and it's not like the NFL where you have to wait three years, maybe a little bit more chore coming out. So when you have these kids who are 18, 19 years old coming out, coming into the draft and they get millions of dollars, we see, you know, from time to time that it doesn't always work out. Hopefully, you know, the stuff with Ja is, you know, exaggerated or even maybe not true and someone's looking for money because, you know, he's obviously great to watch on the court. But if this stuff keeps piling up, like that's going to be an ongoing issue with this Grizzlies team. And I agree. They, they were a fun team, right? And they really only got a small bit of success. It's not even like they got to the Western Conference Finals or anything like this. They lost in the second round to the Warriors. Um, and even still, you hear Ja, you know, a couple months ago, the infamous were fine in the West. And, you know, they beat the Lakers last night. So I guess they're feeling fine, right? He was amazing in the second. I and mean, he was one of 11, I think, to start the game. And now, first off, this is not a great look at all. I think we all agree there. Um, but with Ja is 23 years old. And at that age, you're going to mature in time. A lot of it's part of the crowd you're hanging out with. There was a report of somebody from his camp pointing a laser of a gun into yeah. the Pacers team party. That's a terrible look. 
But I mean, he is a really young kid. I think in due time he'll mature. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got a hundred ninety-three million dollar contract. He is the face of this Grizzlies franchise, and I mean, I think some people overblow it a little bit. The reason why Ja is who he is because as a zero-star recruit coming out of school, you have to separate yourself. You have to have that intrinsic confidence, right? And I feel like with Ja, because of how much he, Dylan Brooks, Jaron, how authentic they are and how true they are themselves, that's what helped him get to the league. And I feel like people don't resonate with that too much, but I mean, that's what makes those guys who they are. So I understand it. Hopefully this stuff gets cleared up. So something else that caught my eye happened, and it possibly could have been something we could have discussed in this week in the NBA, but I'd rather just talk about it right now. Paul George was on J.J. Reddick's podcast and basically admitted that he can't be the best player on the championship team. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm okay with him saying that. I think that there are very few players that can be the number one. And he admitted, you know, my best season in my career was when I was number two to Westbrook and OKC. And I think it's fine. You know, there, there are very few players in the NBA that could be the number one option on a championship team. And Paul George, he knows he's a great player, but he knows he's just not on that level of those guys. So how many guys are on that level? Hmm? You want to go through the list? Eight how players who are on that level? How many maybe? guys are on that level of a true championship number one? LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry. Currently, you're saying? Yeah. Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Giannis. Giannis. five. I think Tatum, six. Tatum is a borderline one. He got to the finals last year. The team is stacked. It, it is, but he's also the best player on the team. No, I know, but he's a borderline one. He's teetering. You lost the finals because he didn't show up. We lost the finals because we played a dynasty. He also didn't show up, and we had a lot of turnovers. Um, where are we at? Six? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are we missing? Embiid? Did we name LeBron? We did name LeBron. I did LeBron. name LeBron. Embiid is a borderline one, too. Dame? I think if he's surrounded by the right team, he can. I don't think Dame is one. I think Dame's a 1B. How about Devin Booker? Got to the finals. He did get to the finals. I, I wouldn't say he's that. Okay. I would agree. Keep I the, keep the there's a reason why the Suns got Kevin Durant. There is. Ah, I mean, you get Kevin Durant. doesn't really matter. Like, really, I mean, oh, the, the Warriors is also, had, Kevin yes, Durant's facts. also a The one. Warriors had Steph Curry and still got Kevin Durant, you know? Um, so, yeah, seven, eight guys probably. I don't know if there's anyone past that list that we're missing. I'm sorry, you named Luca. I didn't no, name Luca. We, did, we named Luca. Okay. Yeah. Is there anyone missing, you think? No, I think the cutoff points Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, and Dame Owen. Yeah, I think those are the guys that those are those are second options. You know, I understand people kind of looking at it as like a knock on Paul George because he's not admitting he's an alpha. But I don't think you can win this situation. If Paul George says that he can absolutely be the best player on the championship team, people are going to take that and they're going to clown him because they know it's not true and make fun of him for that. Yeah. And if he says that he can be it, you know, people are clowning him regardless because, oh, you, it looks like you lack confidence. I just think it's sometimes it's okay to be honest with yourself. It is okay to be honest. And he's honestly one of the best number twos in the game. So maybe that plays a little bit into it. He's like, I know I'm not a number one, but if we have the argument who's the best number two in the league, I am at the top of that list and might be, you know, the best. Um, outside of like Devin Booker, who we mentioned is like a borderline one already. I don't hate it. Um I think I would still rather Paul George, if I was a Paul George fan or a Clippers fan, have him go up there and say, yes, I can be, just to show the confidence and let the internet be the internet. Because like you said, you're going to get made fun of regardless. So I would rather get made fun of for saying I am the best player. I could be the best player on the championship team rather than what he did say, saying I can't. There is a you know part of humility there that you have to respect, knowing that 
he's right. You know, like I don't think any Paul George led team is going to go on a championship run. Um, but I also think if the Clippers want to go on a championship run, he's going to have to play damn near identical to what Kawhi does. He's like, Kawhi's going to be number one for sure, but it's not like Paul George, there can't be a big gap there. Like Paul George is going to have to be putting up damn near identical stats and have a very similar impact to Kawhi if the Clippers want to go on this run. The West, as we know, is wide open and has some dogs in, you know, in the top. I also want to shout out Drew real quick, who isn't here, obviously, studying for his NCLAX, which is his nursing exam. Mm-hmm. I just saw him in the chat, so I want to give yeah, him a shout out. He said, cook up today, y'all. Hate not being there with the gang. 100 emoji. Facts. Be back soon. Um, is NCLAX is today or, or is tomorrow? Uh, What's tomorrow? I'm pretty sure, right? Friday. Tomorrow Thursday, so it's on Friday. It's on Friday, okay. Yeah. No, let's not forget Paul George. At 22 years old, he took the big three Miami Heat with Roy Hibbert to the wire in Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals. Before that leg injury, I mean, we were looking at Paul George as a, a borderline the superstar emerging. Yep. As the next face of the, of the Pacers following, you know, Danny Granger's total regression due to injuries. I think he has been in the past on that trajectory. But while he's a better – it's weird. While he's a better player now, he's a better shooter after the leg injury in the Olympics. It's, it's tough to say that – Back then, despite being a worse player, he was more likely to go with the finals. But maybe this is because he was in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the Eastern Conference wasn't very strong at that point. Yeah, it was the just, Heatles the, were. just get through LeBron. Yeah, the, the Heat, yeah, the big three, Miami Heat, yeah. super team. But it was always, yeah. the East was always get through LeBron. That's, I mean, that's what it was. So Kevin Durant already had six points. Your first half. I have first half, ten and a half points. Calm. You know, we get in there. Calm. We get in there. So shout out to Drew. Hopefully he does well on his exam. I know he's going to pass. He's studying his ass off right now. Sir. Now let's get into the beginning of the show. First topic we have, LeBron James injury. Can the Lakers still make a playoff push? Now. Maybe it's better Drew isn't here. You know, Lakers are the 12th seed right now. They're 29 and 33. All year. All season long, I mean, I was the only person at this table that actually did not have the Lakers in a play-in at all. Beginning of the season? Yeah, I didn't have the Lakers in a play-in. I had them outside of it. And I feel very good about that right now. I do. Because not only were the fit issues apparent before they made these trades, I think now that they made these trades, the team actually looks good. Before they made these trades with Westbrook and you have Lonnie Walker starting, it's just not a good team. But the other issue with the Lakers was always the injuries. We saw Anthony Davis start off playing well, all NBA level. He gets hurt. And now LeBron James with the foot injury. They're saying he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. To me, it seems like he's not going to come back until a month from now. There's only a month and a half left in the season. Anthony Davis is out tonight against OKC. Also, D'Lo's out as well. D'Lo's now catching the injury bug. I think it's just safe to say the Lakers are just not going to make the playing game. Right now, you have the Pelicans ahead of them, the Jazz, the Timberwolves, the Mavericks. Those teams are more healthier. Although the Pelicans and Zion is injured for them currently, I like their team all around, and I think that they can kind of find a way to just, you know, squeak in. If not, the Blazers can definitely take their spot, and I think the Blazers getting healthier with Simons and Nurkic will be a better team than the Lakers. And I'm kind of I'm I'm glad about it. I am. I, I'm glad that the Lakers are not making the playoffs or the playing. <laughs> My God. And the reason the is hate is generational. It's not even hate. It's just the fact that I am so annoyed with everybody trying to talk and prop up the Lakers every other week. I mean, we sat here before the All Star break, and Drew was propping up the Lakers, saying they're only two games behind this fifth seed. 
they have never been able to get out the. the they, they haven't ha, been in the plan. Have they ever been in the plan since maybe, that time? Maybe like October. They have not been. So I get annoyed because whenever the Lakers win a game, it, it's a hard fought game. They beat the Grizzlies, you know, on a nasty, nasty televised game. Oh my goodness, this team. If they just play like this, they could win a championship. Yeah. Oh, they're a dangerous playoff team. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm just tired of it because we have so many great NBA teams and storylines. We have Jokic doing his thing. We have the Kings doing their thing. We have the, the Mavericks do, although they haven't gotten off to the best start. I really, just, I really just say the Kings and the Nuggets because it always seems like, especially when I turn on ESPN for a little bit, it seems like all the talking heads always say, if the Lakers can manage to get into the playoffs and yep. face the Nuggets or the Kings, they can beat them in the first round. They can have this major upset. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people propping up the Lakers into a category that they are not deserving of. And I just think that I understand the Lakers fan base is huge, and this it's, it's the exact reason why they get propped up so much. The latest example of this is Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, I've been talking about him for years on this podcast. Nobody knew how good Jared Vanderbilt was. Nobody. He plays one a game for the Lakers. He's the second coming of Scottie Pippen. (laughs) I mean, for me, I just think that the Lakers' allure kind of just gets annoying, and I I think it's okay to admit that they're not a great team. And now with LeBron injured, their offensive efficiency with LeBron on the court is 115.1. With him off, they're 107.2. Their defensive efficiency is 111 with him on with him off they're 113.8 they have a minus 6.6 net rating with LeBron off the floor 27th in the NBA and mind you their offensive efficiency without LeBron is worse than the Houston Rockets it's worse than the NBA yes it's the absolute worst in the NBA it is pretty certain that they are not going to make the playoffs and since LeBron got to LA the Lakers are 36 and 63 without him and they're 5 and 10 this season when he doesn't play and I remember when the trades first happened with D'Lo and, and Beasley and Vando, and we had the segment about the Lakers or Clippers, who improved more at the deadline. And I still gave the Lakers criticism. And all the comments on, the, on that video was, oh, this guy's going to eat his words. The Lakers can actually compete. You know, now, look, look, look at us now. Well, we, that's not fair. Look at us now. That's not fair. Look at us now. Because with LeBron, they were a competitive team. With LeBron, they were 500. I'm saying with the new additions, a extremely small sample size that I don't want to, you know, assume they would have gone this run, made the playoffs, even win a first round series. But I don't think that's entirely fair because when LeBron was on the court with these new pieces, we saw them come back from 27 against the Mavericks. Now, outlier game, probably, right? 27 is, the I think, the largest in Lakers history, or largest in whatever, 30 years, whatever the stat was. Um, and so go on with your point more about like NBA talking heads. I remember might've been the day after two days after on one of the NBA shows on ESPN, all the panelists, whoever was on their park and whoever else, they were like, who would you take in a series? The nuggets or the Lakers. And everybody on that panel took the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of that has to do with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I understand that, but part of it also has to do, I think with disrespect to the nuggets, maybe just disrespect overall. It feels like in the NBA to smaller markets, I, I saw something on Twitter. I wish I remember who it was just comparing 
how the NBA treats its small markets, how the NFL treats its small markets. Nobody in the NFL cares that Mahomes is on Kansas City or that Burrow is in Cincinnati. They still get the same amount of love if they were in New York, L.A., whatever. The NBA doesn't really seem like that. In the NBA, if you're on the Lakers, maybe it's just the LeBron James effect, they're getting way more attention than even the Milwaukee Bucks, who are arguably the best team in the NBA this year, or the Denver Nuggets, who are in that conversation as well. Um, but to get back to the Lakers a little bit, this playoff push went from probable to almost impossible now, right? You lose LeBron James, and as jo- Joel you know, read off the stats, you are the worst offense in the NBA when he's not on the court. And I, some of that, obviously, a large sample size of that is with Westbrook and you know, not the pieces they have right now. But you're losing LeBron, and you got D'Lo, who I think is a better playmaker than, than uh, Westbrook, so at least you have some sort of normalcy at the point guard position when you didn't have that pre, pre-trade. Um, but you're losing, I mean, your best playmaker, your best shot creator. Like, it's LeBron James, right? I don't think we have to go into incredible detail about how much he means to this Lakers team. But for Lakers fans who were expecting to go on this push and all year long, who I was always on the fence because I understood them. You're only a couple games out of the play-in. But when you're only a couple games out of the play-in for three or four months, it's like maybe that's what you are. Maybe you just are a borderline playoff team. And we're never really going to know what this team could have been with LeBron James and Beasley and Vando and all of these pieces because currently LeBron is going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. I think the timeline on this injury is four to six weeks. We're on March 1st right now. Playoff starts middle of April. It's always around Easter time. Um, So that's going to go up. If it's the minimum, it's a month from now. You're talking about April 1st, and the Lakers have eight games, maybe, if that, right? Two weeks of basketball for them to get into that play-in. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't think they're going to fall eight games behind the play-in spot, but now you're getting in a time where you have to go undefeated, you have to get help, and you're expecting LeBron to come back, being able to play 30-plus minutes and have and no issues, no setbacks or anything like that. And LeBron James, for how great he is and fantastic, obviously, best basketball player of all time, if that's your opinion, he is 38. And he has had multiple foot-slash-ankle injuries over the last couple of years, including this season, right? Just a week or two before he was missing time, right before the All-Star break, um, right before the Super Bowl. I know it was a big deal. He went to the Super Bowl and wasn't playing games. So he was dealing with this not exact injury, but it could have been because of that injury that he hurt his foot. Um, and then obviously we saw in that in that Dallas game, he said, I heard a pop. And we hear, you know, weeks later or a couple of days later about the news. Um, overall... It seems pretty hard. I don't think they're going to make the play-in. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. If some miraculous reason, and we didn't even talk about tonight, they play the Thunder, which is a huge game, a, a massive game. Anthony Davis isn't playing. D'Angelo Russell isn't playing. Shea isn't playing also for the Thunder, so maybe it's more of a toss-up. But when you have your two guys being AD and LeBron James, who nobody wants to predict injuries, no one wants to say guys are going to get hurt, but it's year after year after year with the Lakers. And the only year it didn't happen was the biggest outlier in probably sports history when there is a bubble and they get three months off and then they get to come back fully rested. If that happens again and the Lakers get three months off, okay, we can have a conversation. But, you know, knock on wood, we don't have another COVID situation where they could have months off. So when you have a team that is has an aging LeBron and a brittle Anthony Davis, and as LeBron ages, he is brittle as well, you're going to have these situations. And we didn't really talk about it when these trades happened, saying, you know, they got all these pieces, but you still got to stay healthy. We almost just assumed the health was going to be there. They would figure it out. Unfortunately for LeBron and the Lakers, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. And then next year, entering age 39 season, you know, it it is hard to count on these Lakers year in and year out. You know what it is? I always feel like pressure draws more interest. So for the Lakers, it feels like all year they've been between the 12th and the 13th seed. Now, they aren't that far out. Like, they're even still only three and a half games out from the 6th seed, right? But the issue with the Lakers was always, okay, the injury concerns. He made a great point. 
in their 2020 championship run, everything right went right for them, right? Matchups, you know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden didn't click. They had their injuries. Then they go to the finals to play a badly beaten, uh, very much injured Heat team. They won a championship. Since then, basically everything went wrong for the Lakers the last 18 months, right? Bad trades, players maybe not developing like Taylor Horton Tucker, and then just a lack of continuity. We got to the point this year where it took him the first half of the season to figure things out. This year without Anthony Davis, with LeBron, Dennis Ruder, Pat Bev, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, they were a plus 18 and 250 possessions. So like you saw the glimpses of what they could be with LeBron in the fold, even without Anthony Davis. And I think it's what draw so much, drew so much hope for Lakers fans. The issue now, of course, is LeBron is going to miss at least the next two weeks. There's only six weeks left in the season. I look at this Lakers team, and the good news is, for the first time in two years, the theory of it makes sense, right? You can win in different ways. Defensively, Vando, V8, and Anthony Davis, that is a deadly combination. I mean, in that in that Mavericks game, it was perfect. You could switch AD onto Luka, and you could have V8 guard all 94 feet. Offensively, you have some floor spacing. The second issue is, which is why there's so much pressure on this team, LeBron's going to be turning 40 years old in two years. Anthony Davis is about to turn 30. If AD can't stay healthy for at least 60 games in his 20s, in his 30s, that's not going to change. So it's probably the weirdest time for the Lakers all the way back for a decade now because theory of the team makes sense, but, I mean, you have a tough decision to make. Do you have to consider moving Anthony Davis because that's your best asset to maybe get a more durable fit alongside LeBron as he's hitting his twilight years? Who is that fit, though? Kyrie. Kyrie? Yeah. Sign trade. AD for Kyrie? Something along those lines. You're not winning a championship with LeBron and Kyrie and, and nobody else. Just really. those two is going to be tough. Yep. And it's also, listen, they played the Grizzlies the other night, right? And I found this interesting because I think we all agree Grizzlies are by far the better team, right? especially without LeBron James. I think it's without question. You know, the Grizzlies hit six threes in that game, and they won by 12 points. I went to see the worst shooting team in the league is the Houston Rockets. Six threes or less only happened to them three times so far this entire season. And the Lakers allowed six threes against the Grizzlies and still lost by double-digit points. If uh, That goes to show you the margin for error for this Lakers. And they even shot like 38% from three themselves, right? Yeah. So the margin for error for this Lakers team is so incredibly small that a team could have the worst shooting night of their season and still win by double digits against this team. You know, I think that also there's so much dysfunction around the Lakers and there's so much talking points around them that we don't often mention that Darvin Ham is an unimpressive coach. He hasn't been very impressive or inspiring. You and I were talking about this a month, and ago, a month ago against the Celtics where it felt like he's been pressing the buttons at the right times, but his lineups haven't been quite right. And just, well, he's a motivator, and that was a big talking point coming in, the fact he was a former player that the players would buy into. He hasn't actually figured it out yet. And as a rookie coach, that is very concerning for this team. Yeah, that's why I think the Lakers... Probably not going to make the plan. Their next 10 games, you have the Thunder tonight, then the Wolves Friday, then you have the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, um, Knicks, Pelicans, Rockets, Mavericks, Magic. There's only one gimme. That's the Rockets. Rockets. I think all those other teams are toss-ups. And that's another thing I had a problem with is that we just assume that the Lakers can run through the West and go on this insane win streak. Given how the West is this year and just the league in general, Every game is tough. We look at the 11th seed right now is what? The Portland Trailblazers. They're a tough out, too. And the, you know, Even if you get into the play-in and you're the 10th seed, you're probably going to have to face the Timberwolves or the Blazers or the Jazz or the or um, OKC maybe if they get in. 
it's just going to be hard. That's why I don't think uh, the path was always like this straight. Yeah. And Timberwolves just had an impressive win. We were on playback last night yeah, uh, watching watching them versus the Clippers on the road. Big win in uh, regulation. They won pretty You quickly. know Anthony Edwards locks up. That's why. He said, yeah, he said we no, he, that's, he said we play defense in Minnesota. In I said, oh, okay, I'd like to see that more. But This is from Chandler, donated $4 on Antens. Did y'all see the Rockets might pursue Harden again if he doesn't take the player option during the offseason? Now, John, you have very strong thoughts about this. <laughs> you do have very strong th- thoughts. I think James Harden ruined the Rockets. <laughs> Simple he as was that. the one that pushed Daryl Moore's hand into one of the worst trades in recent memory. That was giving up two first-round picks and two pick swaps for Russell Westbrook when Harden went dip anyways one year later. So now the Rockets had to rebuild. They had to trade Harden, much like the Nets, when the Nets traded all their first-round picks to the Rockets, like, damn, we're going to move Kevin Durant, and we don't even have our own first-round picks. That's the best asset you get in return for trading a superstar. For the Rockets, they trade their superstar in James Harden a year after he makes him switch from another star because he couldn't get along with Chris Paul, which I understand. They weren't the perfect fit. And now you get to a point where you're trying to get that 2021 first-round pick they had. It was a pick swap with the Thunder, so they tank so badly. And because they're tanking so hard, they shatter their culture. The head coach clearly is, let's be honest, he's a placeholder. They're not actually letting, like John Wall's talking about, they're not even letting him decide who his starter was, telling him he had to bench John Wall. And Wall was the only player who could relate to a Jalen Green as a foreman overall pick who had won at high levels before. And that has led to the Rockets' downfall. They have no culture. They don't know who their coach is going to be. And not a single veteran now wants to play there, except reportedly James Harden. How does that make any sense? I don't, why do you think he even wants to go? Is it like he Houston? just loves Houston, but he's not going to win. It's nice living in Texas too. I mean, no state income no, tax. Yeah, one of the best cities in the world for the I mean, United States. If if James Harden, his career was like, listen, obviously he's solidified. I don't want to say like he's not in NBA history or anything mm-hmm. like that. But if he would have had a couple of championships and maybe he's like, you know, just want to see his way out, go back yeah. to Houston, play with some some young guys. I get it, but it's not like James Harden can really do that, right? I mean, he's still trying to win a championship, his first championship. Why go back to Houston when you go to, you know, stay in Philly or go to another team? Maybe take an MLE somewhere if he's eligible for that. I don't know. Oh, hell no. Don't <laughs> you would not do that. Uh, I mean, it's all about the love. I think Houston is going to make him feel love. That's his city. That's why when you say he ruined the Rockets, that's James Harden's city. He didn't ruin the Rockets. Let, let's be clear here. In 2018, they had a chance to beat Golden State. Chris Paul gets injured. Mm-hmm. The very next year in the second round when they faced Golden State, Chris Paul did not show up. Chris Paul was abysmal. Chris Paul looked washed. So when Chris Paul revived his career in OKC and Phoenix, it was a more of a surprise to us because people were not expecting OKC to make the playoffs. But Chris Paul went on his vegan diet. He improved his body. He played better. But let's not act like Chris Paul wasn't a major problem in 2019 in those playoffs. He did not play well. You trade for Russell Westbrook. Okay. You want to see if it can work. I'm sure Harden was on board with the idea. I'm not going to say he wasn't, but the Rockets were not going to win a championship if they kept Chris Paul. They had no cap space to make any other move. They didn't. So they were not going to win a championship with that team anyway. And then you look at when Russell Westbrook came, they traded Clint Capella because Russell Westbrook can't work with center lineups. Mm-hmm. That's not on James Harden. That That's on Russell Westbrook not being able to adapt his game and now shoot at least to a respectable level. And even in the bubble, Harden averaged 30 points per game in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook was injured coming into those playoffs, but before they got hurt, they were the the, the highest scoring duo in NBA history. 
Westbrook and Harden. Westbrook is having his most efficient season, but he just happened to go into the playoffs and wasn't himself. Do I blame Harden for quitting on the Rockets a year after? You look at the Rockets roster, it was an absolute joke. DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall were your marquee free agent signings to Christian Wood. That's a joke. That's a joke. Maybe it didn't get all the resources to acquire Russell Westbrook. That would not have been the roster. Mm. Just a thought. Sounds like the Lakers. Right? It sounds exactly <laughs> like the Lakers. You give a star way too much power. What happened to trade for Russell Westbrook? Oh, our entire team has collapsed. Let's not act like Russell Westbrook at the time of the trade wasn't viewed in a different light. That's true. But Russell Westbrook was coming off a triple-double season with Paul George. And he couldn't and, make that first round. Yeah, I know. But Russell Westbrook was not looked at in the same lens as he was looked at coming off of his Lakers tenure and his Washington tenure. Russell Westbrook True. was still looked at as an all-NBA player at the time, and he played at an all-NBA level at Houston. He, he just got hurt. So I'm saying Harden did not ruin Houston. What ruined Houston is when Tillman Fritzkita came into ownership, he refused to go into the tax and keep Trevor Ariza. They desperately needed wing help. And then, I mean, come on. Mike D'Antoni as well, he wouldn't. You bring in Raphael Stone, Steven Silas. Those are just unserious well, hires. Why did Daryl Morey leave? Because Mike D'Antoni stepped down, because Phil Tillman Fertitta would not pay him. Okay, that's another great point. Mm-hmm. And that goes to Tillman Fertitta ruin the Rockets and not James Harden. It's if, been a group effort. If Daryl Morey, Morey thought that James Harden ruined the Rockets, I guarantee you he, he would him. not have been clamoring at the bits to get Harden in Philly. To well, it's not like he was going to give Harden his keys the way he did in Houston, so it's different in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid. Well, yeah. well he still wants James Harden. Sure. They, they obviously have a great relationship. And I understand, you, you mentioned it perfectly, it's a group effort. They all had a hand in the Rockets' demise, ultimately. But to say that James Harden single-handedly ruined the team... Do you think Darren Moore was willing <laughs> to make that Russell Westbrook trade? Do I think he w- it was wrong to make it? Do you think he was willing to? He was willing to? I think he was. He was forced to. His star, I mean, with one year left in his contract and a player option, that was his only option. He couldn't go along with Chris Paul. Chris Paul was a negative trade asset at that time. Yeah, let's let's not act like he was not. And they got their entire future to get him, which has now led to the demise of that. Chris Paul at that time was viewed as man, this guy. We're we're giving Chris Paul forty million the next two seasons. We should probably get out of get Mm -hmm. off of him. That's how Chris Paul was viewed. You know, I know now Chris Paul is viewed differently, but at the time he was not viewed that way. He was viewed uh, his playoffs was horrible. And he was injured that entire year, which is the reason why Harden had to average 34 in the regular season. It's a fact. I just think that it was a group effort. And James Harden going back to Houston, I like it for the simple fact that he can be a mentor to these young players. And they have a lot of young talent. You would rather that than see your guy be on a competitive team that could win a championship? I'd rather Harden win a championship. But if he goes to Houston, he's going to get the same love and admiration that Dame's getting in Portland now. He's probably going to put up a lot of numbers, and he's going to lose, but he's going to be remembered as the greatest rocket ever. He's not getting the same admiration as Dame, but, and he's definitely not getting put in the same conversation as Hakeem. Let's get that straight. Come on now. <laughs> I never said, did, did you just say, say that? He's the greatest rocket ever. Did you just say I that? I said one of the greatest rocket okay. ever. Okay. I heard greatest. I heard greatest as well. A greatest, whatever. He's he, If he's not one, he's two. I was busy looking I know at it's Hakeem, second but round it's two. playoff series stats. I didn't get that right. So, I understand where you're coming from. For the so Rockets. Hakeem, Hakeem is one, Harden is two. So my my bad if I say greatest. Like he's oh, the second. All right, Akeem. Sorry yeah. for the Rockets to be great because no other veteran wants to sign there. And teams that develop young talent have veterans, which the Rockets Fact. literally have none of. Right, just all kids. It's like all twenty four year olds. Yeah, and they got rid of Eric Gordon, so their oldest player is probably like Jay Sean. Do you see they're eight and sixty nine the last two years without Eric Gordon? Yeah, but what if they get Victor? <laughs> what Wambinyama? are they with him? <laughs> I don't think they're on pace. To win James 10 Harden, Jalen Green, Victor Wembanyama. 
We're getting Wemby now. Shangun. I don't. I think the Rockets have a lot of talent. They just don't know how to play. They have talent. Yeah. I mean, Silas is the biggest issue there. I think he's a symptom of their larger problems. Which is what? Well, Too first young? off, he should have never been hired. But more importantly, I mean, he you, you replace Steven Silas with Kenny Atkinson. It's going to take him three or four years to rebuild where they're currently at. Yeah, I understand. If that. they get Harden? If they get like a Kenny Atkinson, like a proven I know, but saying, even if they get Harden. I mean, where are they going with James Harden nowadays? He's a great uh, playmaker. Playing, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Lakers are playing here right now. How I do you know. Do That'll be a fun uh, fun playing matchup. Lakers versus uh, Rockets next year. Lock that in. So the chat is saying that I did indeed say the greatest Rocket you did. ever. No, you did. Well, number two or whatever. He's I was, the second. I'll be honest. I was going to let it slide because I, I had a feeling. But He's the Burrow. second greatest Rocket ever. Yeah. I'm sorry. Of course, Akeem is better. He's yeah. won the championship one, too. So he's better. But respect James Harden. We respect Please him. respect. No, you do not. I don't respect the the. The push for the rest of Westbrook trade, but I respect him as a player. And Harden, Harden has been right at every step. He left Houston at the right time before they came, became the laughing stock of the NBA. He left the Nets at the right time. He's made the right moves. He, like I know people love to say he's quit, but he's made the right decision wherever he's went. He's he's known what way these organizations are going to trend. Is that not facts? <laughs> John's looking at you crazy. Is Who that not facts? The Nets, the Nets is a... It fell apart what? in the end, but who knows if they were able to keep it together. That was just an ego thing between... I don't know if ego is the right word, but just not the right fit between those three with Harden. Harden Hart said that he left because the front office, he was not comfortable with them, the ownership. I don't is wanna, it because... Sorry to cut you off, yeah, John, yeah. but it's because he's going from Houston, where he is the face of the franchise, and now he's going to Brooklyn, where it's KD is the face of the franchise? I mean, I don't know. I, I think Kevin Durant is the only guy who has a, a strong relationship with ownership and management in Brooklyn. Mm. Kyrie Irving, James Harden had have had awful experiences with them. They're so also not viewed I, as take, the guys, KD. I'll take the 66% chances of what they say is, you know, the Nets probably aren't the best organization. Did KD say that? I'm curious. I don't know. I'm generally okay no, no, KD has... Just good, say good, things, good right? things about the yeah. organization. It could I mean, be just, you know, they, guys traded, they the traded guy. him to where he wanted to go and got little to nothing for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Katie's happy. They traded him to his destination. Fact. Real quick. The logic you used before that every decision James Harden's made, he's been right. I can apply that to Antonio Brown. The Steelers have not won a playoff game since he's left. <laughs> the, Raiders, the Raiders have been irrelevant since he left. The Patriots have not won a playoff game. The Buccaneers won a Super Bowl with him. They haven't been back in the show ball down. So I can use that same logic <laughs> with AB. Yo, why is he spitting? That's not even facts. It's not even correlate. AB is doing crazy stuff. Yeah, AB is well, yeah, I'm not comparing James Harden. Saying, James Harden just made somebody's day. I mean, did you did you see? I did. That was, was an amazing story. I mean, come yeah. on, what are you talking about? AB would never do that. Well, I said before, I respect him as a player. AB has been AB has been trolling Tom Brady. Yeah, he, the logic is right. The player probably not the best idea. You know, that's why I said logic. <laughs> Nikola Jokic. How much pressure is is on him to win an NBA championship this season? And do you think the pressure is fair? Today, uh, something big in ESPN happened where Kendrick Perkins was talking about Jokic because J.J. Reddick called him out on his stat-padding Jokic take. And, you know, first of all, I think the stat-padding thing is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But I think there is a lot of pressure for Nikola Jokic to win an NBA championship. And it's not because he's this playoff underperformer. No, he's an elite-level playoff performer. But it's the fact that if you win three MVPs, you're in elite company. Three players have won three MVPs. Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson won a championship as a rookie. Larry Bird won in his second season. Malone won in his ninth season. Jokic is currently in his eighth season. The expectation for Jokic is to win an NBA championship. The Nuggets are the first seed in the Western Conference. 
They look like the best team in the West. And I think a finals appearance at the very least, there is a lot of pressure on Jokic to make that. Without a doubt. I mean, right now, Jokic is the front runner for MVP. And it's a close race, but I mean, the guy's leading the league in true shooting while taking 15 shots a game. I mean, the Nuggets are a plus 14 or plus 15, and they're number one seed. It's kind of weird to me how every step of the way, people have tried to tear Nikola Jokic down. When they went to the conference finals after coming back from down two two times in back-to-back series 3-1, everyone said the following season that they wouldn't come back. And they're right on pace to be a team going to the conference finals until Jamal Murray tears ACL. So, okay, Murray tears his ACL, and then Jokic wins 46 games with a team that without him would have been the worst team in the league last year. He wins MVP as a sixth seed, and people say, oh, well, the guy can't win the regular season. He doesn't deserve MVP. This year, Jokic is the number one seed now that Murray's back. And everybody's saying, Kendrick Perkins, in his mind, he's stat padding, which we don't spend too much time on that. But the other logic is that Jokic has to win an NBA championship, like you said, in order to merit being a three-time MVP. Because you get that, you're in the company of Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry Bird, the second player to ever do it in the media voting age. So I understand that. That's true. Jokic is the same player who has perennially, with never playing with an all-star in his entire career, by the way, overachieved in the playoffs, beating the Portland Trailblazers with a starting backward of Falco, Compazzo, and Austin Rivers. Mm-hmm. Ugly. Ugly. And there's Marcus Howard coming off the bench, too. So, every step of the way, Jokic is over, as of number 41, 41st overall pick, exceeded expectations. And this year, the logic is that, number one, people are going to tear him down because team has won the championship yet, which we'll see in June. But the second thing is, people always want to compare him to Joel Embiid, who, in theory, is the much better defender. I'm done with it. I understand exactly where that question will come from. Jokic has to do it in the postseason. And when I look at this Western Conference, the two things the Nuggets have over everybody else, number one, their superstar is incredibly durable. And the second thing is that they know exactly who they are. They've proved themselves in the playoff crucible, and they've maximized the horses around Jokic on both sides of the ball. There's not a team with more continuity, a better fit. And while I'm not the highest in Michael Malone per se, more stability in this Denver team. They're not perfect, right? There's some issues with their second lineup, and defensively, it's a little bit atypical to see a traditional, more slow seven-footer win a championship. When you look at this conference, it is very clear to me that the Nuggets should be the clear frontrunner. There's no other reason to have the Suns, given all their durability questions ahead of them, who, okay, they're being the, the horns by 16 right now. I thought they were losing. I mean, don't Den- doesn't Denver have similar durability questions? With Not Jamal Murray and level. MPJ? That's facts. Like Kevin Wait. Durant has missed a lot of time, and Devin Booker has this hamstring injury. Chris That's Paul has his injuries. But we've seen the last couple of years, KD gets hurt like middle of the season, and he comes back, and he's fine. You know? Not last year in the playoffs, but yeah, I agree with you. What do you mean? Last year in the playoffs, he was healthy. He, he, did, he didn't have a great series, I know, but it's yeah. not like he was hurt. Wait, who? KD. KD. Yeah. Last year in the playoffs, he came back, and the entire team just collapsed. And I thought a lot of those due to continuity, in part to his and Kyrie's absence. Yeah. I think Jokic is, is difficult because, first of all, the Perkins stuff, I feel like people have difficulty, and it's weird coming from Perkins, who is a big man himself, maybe giving credit to big men who aren't flashy, right? He Jokic isn't out there making nine threes a night and having these crazy dunks and, you know, ball handling, all this stuff that we see from other MVPs, the LeBrons and uh, KDs and whatnot, who maybe are a bit more appealing to the eye. 
Um, so I think that's why he gets some pushback, at least in terms of like uh, MVP or people saying that he doesn't deserve MVP. I think more than anything, it's just they don't like what they see with their eyes. We know he produces, but it's just not as entertaining to some people than it is for other guys, especially wings and, and guards who are just more fun to watch, I guess, if you're a, I don't want to say casual NBA fan, but if you just watch the NBA, right? Um, and it's almost not fair to Jokic because if he does win three MVPs, right? If he does win his third, which like you guys mentioned it, he is the favorite right now and the pretty heavy favorite too. I think he's like around like minus 270 or something, right? Last time I checked. I mean, he's going to be entering conversation with some of the best players in NBA history. And the obvious biggest thing he's missing right now is that playoff success, a finals appearance, a championship nonetheless. And when you look back at his history, and as you mentioned, right? Sometimes he got unlucky. Jamal Murray tears his ACL. Michael Porter Jr. has been in and out of the lineup basically his whole career. And you look at the most he's done was in the bubble. He took the Lakers to five games, right? Respect for getting one. I'll give him your respect. We always say you're a superstar. Get one game. So you got to give him respect for that. But I understand a little pushback there. When there is questions, especially in today's modern NBA, if your best player is a big man, what is your ceiling? What can you possibly do? Like we see with Embiid, he gets all the shit in the world for never getting past the second round. Jokic, he got past second round one time in the bubble against the Lakers. But I do think it's fair to question it when your big man is your best player. Because it does limit you to an extent in terms of offensively being able to play make. Although Jokic is just a complete outlier because he is the offense, right? And that's usually not the case for big men. Um, but I think the reason why it's okay to be lenient for Jokic, especially in his previous history in the playoffs, is just because he's gotten unlucky. Like I mentioned, Jamal Murray tearing your ACL, and you have Frank uh, Compazzo, or Compazzo, Rocky. not Frank, uh, uh, Compazzo and Austin Rivers out there. And it's just an ugly starting lineup that truthfully should not be a, a playoff team, if we're being honest. If Jokic wasn't so great, we're looking at it as one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then Michael Porter Jr., who is without a doubt valuable to his team, like no question about it, mm -hmm. but a back injury who's been since the day he got drafted one of his biggest red flags throughout his career and although he's been mostly healthy this season uh him and Jamal Murray Jamal Murray did miss some time right before the all-star break but mostly been healthy this year and we see now with Jokic and with Jamal Murray entering what year four or five same thing with Michael Porter Jr. um as these guys are aging a little bit more and entering their prime we do see the upside at least regular season for this Nuggets team which is the best team in the NBA one of the best offenses in the NBA and marginally improving on defense, right? They're not a train wreck by any means. They're not the Kings. They're not the 25th ranked defense or whatever. They've been getting better as the season goes on. Um, the last couple of seasons, right? I think it's safe to say Jokic's been carrying this team. His two best players, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. were basically unavailable last mm -hmm. season. Obviously, Jamal Murray tearing his ACL. And in 2021, he lost to the Suns, went to the finals. In 2022, he lost to the Warriors. They went to the finals. I can't look at the team Jokic was on and say, you know what? He's underperforming. It's bullshit that he's not getting here. He can't be MVP. Those teams are better. Like, there's no doubt in my mind those two teams are simply better team than the Denver Nuggets were those, mm -hmm. that season. So that's why it's you can't put them on the same pedestal maybe as these other top three MVP guys because although they're obviously great, uh, or next week's not top three MVP, but guys who have won three MVPs, you know, the Larry Birds and, and yeah. Michael Jordan's and all that, um, because their teams were also usually better than the opposing team. In this mm -hmm. case, it wasn't really the, the case for the Nuggets, right? They were always the inferior team going nice. up against teams that went to the finals and going up against a dynasty like the Warriors. So 
I think this year is the year that it could all be put to rest because you have, assuming health, you have Jamal Murray, Michael Porter healthy, assuming they're going to be healthy for this whole season. You have role players around him, Bruce Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon. So I think this is the first year most people feel comfortable saying they are the favorites. And most people are starting, at least I hope, are coming around saying that Jokic can be the best player on a championship team since she is such an outlier of a big man. But this is really going to be the year. If he's able to go to the finals, either I think go is going to be good enough in appearance or even win the finals, obviously gets put to rest. But this is the year everyone's healthy. There's no excuses. There's no super team in the West. Go get it done. Make the finals. With performance comes expectations. It's unfortunate how the narrative around Jokic has shifted because we have totally forgotten his origins. 41st pick in the draft. He was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> That's how much attention they gave him. They gave him no, no attention at all. For a guy like that to be a two-time MVP, to be one of the best centers in, the, in NBA history, he is the best passing center in NBA history. People seem to forget that this guy was not supposed to be in this position. And instead of praising where he's currently at, we constantly move the goalposts and say, you know what? He shouldn't be a three-time MVP because the playoff success isn't there. Let me debunk all these playoff narratives because I think they're, they're, they're just ridiculous and they're stupid. The narrative that Jokic is this playoff underperformer or hasn't lived up to expectations in the postseason is just wrong. He's been to the playoffs four times. His first appearance, he averaged 25-13-8 on 50-39-84 splits. One game away from the Western Conference Finals. In Game 7 versus Portland in the second round, he had 29-13, and 13, and he averaged 27-14-8 and eight in that series. And that's with Dame averaging 34 points in that series. I, I think that was a series after in the, in, the, in the bubble where Dame averaged that. My, my apologies. Jokic's second playoff appearance. He averaged 24-10-6, and six, shot 52-43-83 splits made the Western Conference Finals. In his second playoff appearance with a healthy team, he made the Conference Finals, came back from two 3-1 deficits, and he lost in the Conference Finals to the NBA champions. His third playoff appearance, he averaged 30-12-5 on 51-37-83 splits. He beat the Blazers in the first round, with the starting backcourt of Facundo Campazzo and Austin Rivers, which would be the worst starting backcourt of any team in the NBA that season. And in that series, Dame averaged 34-10. and 10. So Jokic had to match Dame's star power, arguably be better, and still come out on top in that series. And then in the second round, you lose to the Suns, and they go and make the NBA Finals. And then your fourth appearance, you averaged 31-13-6. and six. With no Jamal Murray, no MPJ, and you managed to win a game against the Warriors, who only two teams in the playoffs managed to do. The Celtics and the Memphis Grizzlies were the only two teams to win more than one game against the Warriors. The Mavs lost in fives, and the Nuggets lost in five, and that's with no Jamal Murray and no MPJ. What this tells me is that, for one, Nikola Jokic's numbers in the playoffs are elite level. He's one of the best playoff performers currently in the NBA. Jalen Brunson level. The second, his second season, his second season, he lost to the NBA champions. His third season, he lost to the team that made the, made the finals out the West. His fourth season, his fourth appearance, he lost to the NBA champions. He's not getting bounced out by inferior teams. He's getting bounced out by teams that are better. 
But now, right now, the Nuggets are in a position where they are the superior team to the bunch. I think in the Eastern Conference, when you talk about the Celtics and Bucks, those are teams that might have the edge over Denver slightly. But I think in the West, the Suns are the only team that can, that can match the Nuggets and that can actually beat them in a series. But this narrative that Jokic doesn't show up in the playoffs is ridiculous because he's an elite-level playoff performer. And I, I just hate these narratives about the stat padding because, for example, Kendrick Perkins. And I hear this talking point a lot. Oh, when Russell Westbrook got the triple-double, all you guys did was slander him. If you didn't if you didn't agree with that, like if you didn't agree with Westbrook getting slandered for his triple doubles, then why are you now doing it to Jokic? Just because people did it to Westbrook? So I'm gonna hit you because you like I'm gonna hit you because you hit John? Like what what does that it doesn't make any sense? Two wrongs don't make a right. If you honestly believe Westbrook shouldn't be getting slandered for his triple doubles, I don't think he was stat padding. I know that's a narrative out there. If you don't believe Westbrook deserved that criticism, then why are you going and you're doing it to Nikola Jokic if you believe things should be fair and you should actually analyze the game of basketball how it's supposed to be analyzed? I think Jokic and Westbrook's triple doubles both are valid. If you were to ask me whose triple doubles are more impressive, I would say Jokic because his triple doubles to me feel like more in the flow of the game mm. rather than, I wouldn't say force, but Westbrook, the usage rate, the efficiency. I mean, his usage rate was at an all-time high. Yeah. Jokic's usage rate is, you know, a third of that. So because of that, I, I think his triple doubles are more impressive. And on top of that, he's the first seed right now. So that, that's why I think just because Westbrook had these triple doubles and he got criticized for them doesn't mean that you have to now criticize Jokic, especially if you were on the team of defending Westbrook for his triple doubles. I just don't think it makes much sense. And one of the interesting thing, there's a stat. Dating back to last year, in the 28 games Nikola Jokic has recorded a triple-double, they've won every single one. Mm-hmm. Dating back to the end of last year. Yeah. And you talked about the goalposts moving, right? With Jokic, every teammate, every role player he's had, he's made better. Will Barton last year is averaging 16 points per game. He goes to Washington, and he's getting bought out. Monte Morris was the best back point guard in the league that was going to have to start with Jokic. He goes to Washington, and he can barely start. I'd be watching this year. Contavious Caldwell-Pope goes, having the best year of his career. KCP play, has played with LeBron James. He's had a better year now, two years, three years older. Then talk about Aaron Gordon. In Orlando, every Magic fan was done with Aaron Gordon. This year, he was a borderline all-star. You then look at Bowens Highland. Bowens Highland last year was helping them win a playoff game versus the Warriors. This year, he came against the floor versus the Clippers. All Jokic does is make his teammates better. And defensively, where people like to throw a lot of flack at him, I get it. Look, He's not the best defender. He's average, maybe slightly above average, right? He has his deficiencies when you put a lot on his plate. The Nuggets this year have the second best defensive rating in close in, in clutch time. The first best is Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. They're the best team in clutch, best team in the Western Conference. And we're finally seeing it like you made the point before. And, and to your point, I think that the narrative about, about Jokic being a bad defender is lazy mm. because people just see how he looks and think he's bad. Mm. He is one of the best centers at playing the passing lanes in the NBA. Mm. He gets the most steals of any center in the NBA currently because he's that good in the passing lanes. Yes, he's not the rim protector of a Joel Embiid, but he's definitely not a slouch either. Jokic is a solid defender. He's not great. He's not elite, but he's solid and he's not this liability everybody likes to m- paint him out to be. Yeah, and real one more thing. 
He had three game-winning blocks last year. You know, Joel Embiid has won this year. You got Mark Jones, who's, I think, you might have to be a media voter on Twitter, saying, I like my MVP can't to play defense. Same thing with John Morant, can they get a game-winning block? Jokic did that three separate times last year against two playoff teams. Uh, do you guys think Jokic is the clear MVP? Yeah, I do. I do. Giannis is interesting. If they keep winning these fucking games with 14 in a row, he's going to enter that conversation for sure because they could end up with the best record in the NBA. Um, but it's I think it's between those two. And do you think the Suns are the only match with the Warriors at all moves you? No. Healthy Steph, healthy Wiggins, yeah. best net best net rate in the league when those five guys are on the court? The Warriors do. Slightly. Absolutely. But I, I, historically, teams that have won the NBA championship finished with the top three record of their conference. 40-20 rule. Got to win forty before you lose twenty, and the Warriors did not hit that. I I just don't I just don't think the Warriors are going to win a championship this year. I don't think so either. But they could. Uh, I don't know. That's Maybe valid. But what team has the highest ceiling in the Western Conference? The Suns. If Maybe. everything clicks with them, and I, after them, it's probably Golden State. This story of the lineup is wait. A so plus. you don't think Denver is in that conversation? No, I, think I, think ceiling? I think the Warriors are right there. But let's not act like when Steph, Clay, Draymond, Kevon Looney, and Andrew Wiggins are on the floor this year. The Warriors still own a plus 22 and 700 possessions. Now, the the question with this team is that Andrew Wiggins is not defending at that level where he was at a borderline all-league level a year ago. I think Gary Payne as well. We're not sure where he's going to be at. But that story lineup is elite. Off the bench, Dante DiVincenzo has been great. I really think it comes down to Jordan Poole being that X factor, which he has not been consistently this year. Jordan Poole will determine whether or not this Warriors team goes to the conference finals or if they're eliminated in the first round. That and Steph Curry. And with Jokic, it's more than just steals. Right now, in total deflection of the NBA, he's six. Mm. Guys above him are Fred Van Vliet, DeJounte, OG, SGA, and Alex Caruso. Nikola Jokic is a good defender. You know, in the regular season, he's good. The playoffs are where we draw our questions uh, yep. against the most elite offenses, which is okay. You know, He's not Joel Embiid defensively, and we can accept that while praising his impact on offense. Yeah, and I think you mentioned a great point about how Jokic has made his teammates better. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon and KCP are two examples. And on top of that, not, not to make this like a comparison thing, although I'm about to do that, when you look at Russell Westbrook, the growing narrative around him is that players leave him and get better. It's, fact. it's, not, the, it's not the same thing with Jokic. You know, I, I think... Although that's players always t- want him back. Yeah. You know, Paul George. Victor Oladipo. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that uh, there is a lot of pressure for Jokic to make the finals this season. Mm-hmm. And I think even if the Nuggets don't make it, it's going to be because KD goes ballistic against them in, in the series. That's a tough matchup. Yeah. That mid-range shooting was a problem two years ago. Yeah. Had KD and and I don't think that even if Murray was healthy in that Sun series, he changes that series. No, yeah, I think that not. Jokic was the biggest liability in that series defensively. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting matchup. Yeah. But I think the Nuggets definitely have a chance to make the finals. And I think that he gets too much pushback, to be honest. Agreed. One last thing. If Jokic gets the triple ground this year, MVP, championship, and finals MVP, is he a top 20 player of all time? Jokic? Top uh, 20. Probably. If we're, Giannis is already in that conversation, people are having that with Giannis, so Jokic should definitely be there. He's going to have three MVPs back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. This is Dirk, Jerry West, Kevin Garnett, that type of company. I think he's over Dwayne Dirk Wade. if he gets that. I, oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's a longevity thing, though. Over all those guys. <laughs> I mean, y'all better hope he hasn't won a championship. <laughs> but you're not shit. even a Jokic fan. I am. He's a diehard Jokic. I have like four NBA jerseys. He's like the second one I got. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first? Devin Booker. Okay. Well, actually, I got so a, a, I got a Carmelo fan. one as a kid. Uh, Melo and Darren Williams. Well, I'm actually which a, Melo I'm Knicks actually a Suns fan now. You're gross. 
I'm a Suns fan. Must be nice. Uh, my girl's a Suns fan. You know what I'm saying? So, oh. you know, I root for them. Okay. I told you when Katie got traded, I got traded to the Phoenix. I know. Phoenix it's, too. It is gross. Let's I'm go. not gonna lie. Katie, I'm not baby? you. No. <laughs> John, Katie, baby. We'll do it. Santos comments. Guys. Both roles were in the same t shirts. Close. It's the same palette. Facts. He's got the through the wire one. The wire. I need the through the wire one. I just got yeah. some regular navy shirt mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Through the wire one. It's just tough. It is tough. Just I tough. saw Pee Wee wear the pick a side hoodie. You know, I had Facts. to come on with the through the wire shirt now. That was that was me on the pick a side mm-hmm. I was yeah. watching. I was like, <laughs> I oh that. shit. Forgot to crop, bro. Huh? You forgot to crop. Oh, no. I saw it. I was like, I'm just going to let this fly. (laughs) (laughs) Damon Lillard just had a 71-point game. He hit 13 threes in that game in 39 minutes. Eighth player to score 70 points or more in a game. The second one this season. Mitchell had 71 against the Bulls earlier this year. And we talked about it yesterday, John, on the Joel Moran show. You know, after the Clippers and Wolves games, we, we went on for a little bit. We talked about it. Now, listen. I'm done with making Damian Lillard mock trades. I think he's staying and he's retiring in Portland. And I'm over I'm over it. And listen, I can't blame him because Dame recently said the grass isn't always greener and he points it to Russell Westbrook being an example of how the grass isn't always greener. And he made a valid point. Russell Westbrook is on his fourth team in the last four seasons. He's undoubtedly a Hall of Fame player. And OKC fans still cherish and love Westbrook. Mm. It's these other fan bases that are left with a sour taste in their mouth. And Dame, I think, is making the right decision because I think in the modern NBA, all we look at is a player winning championships and we we define their career a lot by winning. But Dame Lillard has made $230 million in his career with the Blazers. He just signed a two-year extension that's going to put him well over $300 million. He has the money. His entire family's in Portland, his wife, his kids. He doesn't want to relocate them, and I think you always have to take that into account. Mm. We always look at the basketball side of things, but this is a family side of things, and I think there's a reason why Dame doesn't want to leave Portland. He's already Portland's all-time leading scorer. He's had multiple memorable playoff games, playoff game winners. While I don't think he's the best Blazer of all time, I think that's Clyde Drexler. Dame is definitely top three, and why leave security, familiarity, community for a chance to win a championship when it's not even guaranteed? We're not even sure if you're going to win a championship. And I always go back to this interview that Kevin Durant had with Chris Haynes on Bleach Report where Kevin Durant talked about his legacy, and he said, my legacy is predicated on what Cam Thomas is learning from me and what he'll take away to help him by the time he's in his 10th year. That's my legacy. I think Dame is adopting that same mindset to his career. He values being a mentor. Look at the Blazers right now. Players such as Anthony Simons, Dame very early on said he was going to be a star player. He's mentored him this entire way. And now Anthony Simons is a star in his own right. Shaden Sharp is up and coming. Mm-hmm. Nazir Little has kind of turned around his career and is now an impactful role player. Cam Reddish, maybe there's some hope for him in Portland. Keon Johnson, Watford. I think it's important Watford. for Dame to try and win at the highest level, but also I think he is okay, and he wants to set the foundation for future Blazers teams and wants to be remembered in that way. And and because of that, I'm fine with him not wanting to force a trade and and leave Portland. I think he's going to retire a Blazer, and he's going to be a legend. You know, maybe in NBA history, we're not going to remember him like a Steph Curry or other all-time great players, but he will be remembered as one of the – faces of the Blazers franchise and 
he could possibly get a statue in Portland too. He deserves one. Yeah. And you know what? That's exactly what's going to separate Damian Lillard from every other All-NBA guard. When you look at the most loyal players in NBA history, Dirk, Kobe, who at one point requested a trade, Kevin Garnett, who eventually also got traded to Boston, none of them stuck with the team when things look so bleak. And when you talk about Dame, number one, right now he's a first-team All-NBA player. You can make a case by the end of his career he'll be a top-ten point guard of all time because of his big-time moments and that, for a decade, elite-level play. The fact that in an era where teams are switching more than ever and player movement is reaching all-time high, Dame is the one star that is relevant enough to say, I could have went to a Milwaukee or Phoenix or Dallas, any of these teams, and selfishly, I would love it as, as would an NBA fan, gain to see an all-time guard in the highest of stakes because Dame has not played with an All-Star since 2015. He was 22 years old, or 23. He's 32 now. But that's exactly what makes him so unique. While selfishly, it can be frustrating, Blazer fans love it for the simple fact that you do not see stars so loyal to such a small market. And in part, that's because just day-to-day, he loves it. It's, it's great for his family. But I think at a certain point, man, we have to just acknowledge the fact he's never going to be traded. And that's okay. Like, we can appreciate what he's doing now as basketball fans. The fact that he's dropped 71 points in four quarters of basketball, having one three-pointer shy of Clay Thompson's three-point record, he is going to be one of the most underappreciated NBA players. But his, his legacy should age so well because of how badass, badass it is. Yeah. He never left. And you know what? Maybe... If the Blazers can get these young guys to develop in time, he can have one of those playoff runs and maybe go to a conference finals and end on a high note like Reggie Miller. That would be really special. And not to change the subject, but the Joel Moran burner's back? It is back. Okay. I saw it in the comments. I'm glad that it is back. I know. Do you think he just took a break because you took a break? No, because he wasn't tweeting before that. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, but I, I'm glad that he's back. If you're watching the show of V. Moran Burner, I um, want you to keep tweeting. Also, Sam Hauser was just locking up Darius Garland. Anyway, um, Damian Lillard. 13 three-pointers, 60% on those three-pointers. 13 for 22, I think it was. Just absolute stupid numbers. Only shot 14 free throws, made all of them. Got the win. Two turnovers as well. Like, Damian Lillard is probably... This was probably the most impressive performance of the season. I think this is over Donovan Mitchell, taking account overtime um, efficiency. I don't remember off the top of my head how efficient Donovan Mitchell was. shooting for Dame. Dame, God damn. 80% is fucking 2K numbers. Um, and I think his comments after the game was the most interesting. First of all, he got a drug test right after the game, and he was not happy about that. He said how he hates getting blood drawn, even though he's, you know, completely tatted up. Um, doesn't like needles, I should say. Um, but then he also said, you guys shouldn't let me win a championship if I'm in Portland. And I understand that for Dame, because that's really the only thing lacking on his resume, is going to a finals, having consecutive success in the playoffs. And I understand his frustration, because... People, it's almost always the same story or same narrative around Damian Lillard. He is the most loyal player, arguably, in the NBA. He's one of the most underrated players, like you mentioned, at the end of his career. going to be one of the most underrated players, one of the best scorers, one of the best three-point shooters. But one thing that's never going to be said about Damian Lillard, as long as he stays in Portland, is he's not an NBA champion. And I think that's okay, right? I think that's fine that, you know, not every player, actually majority of players are never going to win an NBA championship. But when you are one of the best players of all time, right, top 75, when you do have some of these ridiculous seasons and you're thought of as one of the best players in the NBA, I think fans, media, you know, front office people, there's everyone around the NBA is expecting you to win a championship. They're expecting you to get there. They're expecting you to put on for those big moments. And I think that's maybe the disconnect between us as viewers of the game and Damian Lillard as the human being. Because, like, going back to Joel's point, 
I think that matters more than him to win the championship. I think he obviously has a home in Portland. And you saw after the game, right? He drops the, the 70 points. All the players are coming over, pouring water and gator on him, just going crazy, like saying, like, I think people are saying, like, he's the GOAT, right? Um, I think that matters more than anything to him, right? And a lot of us get, I don't know if confused is the right mo- right word, but maybe obsessed with championships and obsessed with Rings guys. Culture. Was it rings culture yeah, facts yeah. just obsessed with guys winning championships and with all the player movement with KD and LeBron and all guys moving teams to find ways to win championships. When we see someone not do that and stay in a situation that is less than ideal, and you have your number two and CJ McCollum get traded. Now you have Simons come in. It almost we're almost expecting them to ask out. We're expecting them to request a trade or expecting them to go somewhere else because you got to win a championship. This is your time to go. But I think more importantly for Dame, it's just he's happy in Portland, man. He wants to be there. His family's there, like you mentioned, Joel. Like, he made a home here, and that's where he ultimately wants to be. So, impressive performance. I mean, one of the most impressive performances you're going to see in NBA history. Who knows? Maybe someday, years down the line, someone could drop 100 because that's what it feels like this NBA is going to. We had two 70-point games, two 70-point games this season. And if it's true that Damian Lillard doesn't want to get traded or... You know, maybe it's more likely, I think we should say, that they get a second star. They do have draft picks. I think they have a couple extra firsts down the road. Um, and Simons is probably that one player you could package. And Mikael Bridges and picks get you KD. Simons and picks could get you something. You know what I mean? Maybe it's not KD, but that shouldn't have got KD regardless. But that could probably get you something. Simons and a bunch of picks. Hopefully Portland in these last few years with Damon Lillard playing at his absolute peak basketball can bring in a second superstar. Because like you guys mentioned, it doesn't seem like he's leaving Portland. And I think that's just an analogy for life. Sometimes you got to be content with what you have. It's a fact. And Dame has a lot. He he had bro. He's made two hundred plus million dollars. Yeah, the money's not even a question anymore. And he's has a home in Portland. I think also, people always look at a player that doesn't win a championship. But I'd much rather be Dame, a player who, the organization loves you so much that you won't get moved, versus players that are constantly getting moved around the NBA. Like there are so many players around the NBA that wish they could stay with one organization their entire career, and they don't have to worry about getting traded. And Dame is somebody who's very secure in his spot. He's secure in what the organization wants and how much they want to keep him, and he has those same values. I have two more notes. So Kirk Goldsberry had this stat. Dame had 420 feet worth of shot shot makes in that game, which no other player has done since tracking data started back a decade ago. The second thing, though, is let's be honest. If Dame's production dropped to a point where it was regressing, the Blazers don't act like any franchise. They would move him. Let's be honest. The Blazers are not that tied into Dame because like yeah. any franchise, you have to do what's best for you. Yeah. And not what's best for Dame. So I, I don't know if that's true. I disagree with that. Now, of course, they won't move him because he's playing at a top 10, top 12 level. But at the moment he starts to fall back like a Bradley Beal, it's top 25, top 30, I'm more than willing to bet they will look to explore their options. For $60 million, the team's going to do that? No one would, but that's exactly why they would, because of how much he's making. So I don't think well, that's exactly why no team would, I think. You know, the Superman. I, well, I think Portland the would be willing to move him, without a doubt. You th- so you think he doesn't stay at Portland for his entire career? I do, because no one's going to give a, a, a good enough offer for him. But that's not to say if one sucker did, Gives up three first round picks in two or three years that they wouldn't trade him because I'm more than willing to do what. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but you, you mentioned that, sense. but I think this is a similar situation to Dallas. Dirk was washed his last couple of seasons. Dallas kept him; they did not move him. You don't think that same loyalty applies to Portland and Dame? Dirk won a championship, won the finals twice, an MVP. 
I think there was a lot more gravitas or Dirk after that 2011 run. Than I don't think there's a lot of gravitas with, with Dame and just him staying in Portland. Clearly, there's a difference between one Western Conference Finals appearance and an MVP plus I'm not saying there's MVP. not a difference, but I'm saying you don't think that that same loyalty will apply to Dame for the Blazers. Not as much, no. Okay. Dirk is different. But at you that still point, believe that, the, that he'll that stay point, with Portland for his entire Dirk career. Dirk was 36 years old. Okay. But you still believe Dame will be in Portland for his entire career? Most likely. Okay. All right. You think it's more likely that Portland trades him rather than Dame going to Portland? Yeah. I think it's more likely Portland would move him. Yeah. I think he's going to retire Blazer. I think so, too. I have a Would You Rather Dame edition. Here yeah. we go. Yeah, you know, this is going to have a mixture of some all-time point guards and some current ones. Okay. Mostly right. just all-time, though. Okay. This is Would You Rather Damian Lillard edition, first name up. This is all-time edition, Russell Westbrook. Dame. Yeah, I would go Dame. Westbrook has the MVP, which is the only reason I hesitate, but Dame was a better player. Who would rather have in my team? It's a fact. Listen, I think Russell Westbrook, MVP, can't disrespect that, made the finals with KD. They were very young, and I think if James Harden stays in OKC, they win a championship ultimately. Just given Dame's range, how he can fit into any offensive system seamlessly, mm-hmm. I would go with Dame. But I think when we talk about resume, Russell Westbrook does have a better resume than Dame. Yeah. Maybe it would help if he got to play Kevin Durant, LeBron, and Paul George. Well, he didn't play with them in one MVP. Well, that's, Dame has no MVP. In the playoffs. Well, I'm saying... If Dame got to play off Kevin Durant, I think he would uh, probably win a championship. Uh, maybe. You never know. We're it could have never know. happened. Yeah. But I'm saying that individually, Westbrook does have a better resume, though. Oh, yeah. Because that MVP, no doubt. Steph Curry. Steph. Yeah, come on. Yeah, this is easy. <laughs> come on. This is easy, Steph. Chris Paul. Ooh, man. All time, man. I'm going with Chris Paul over Dame. I am. I'm going Dame. He, he's made multiple teams better, whether it's been the... Hornets, when he got drafted in 08, he was an MVP candidate. He went to the Clippers. He went to the Suns, OKC, and the Rockets almost won the finals, but he got hurt in, in game five of the Western Conference Finals. I'm going with Chris Paul all the time. I am. Defensively, has multiple all-defensive all teams. Uh, give me Chris Paul. You took Dame. Think about it. Two guys that will carry your teams to the playoffs almost every single year at their peak, but with Dame, it's different because Chris Paul broke down every year, I felt like. Towards, yeah, towards the ender, yeah. Dame, I mean, Dame's Dame longevity. Looked like, it, looked like he broke down later in the playoffs. He, he was game seven versus the Nuggets in the second round. Yeah, he stinker. had 13 points. He has, mm-hmm. he has stinkers. I think I would slightly, I think I would slightly lean Chris Paul, but that's that's the closest one so far. Give me Dame Dollar. Man, he, he's a he's a president of the moment type of guy, man. <laughs> CP3, respect him, man. Oh, I do. I mean, it's a tough one. It's awesome. Steve you Nash. said Dame pretty I, By the way, I, Chris Paul's top three point guard of all time, so it's it's pretty tough. I'm thinking at their peak. If he's a top three peak. point guard of all time, I mean, what are we, what are we talking CP. about then? Well, this is not resume. It's, this is what I'd rather have. And Dame never, like, Dame has not played with an all-star in nine years. This is an all-time, though. This is not uh, just Yeah, like I feel like when we do all-time, it's not more so who would you rather have. It's like we'd bring accolades Who would you rather have at their peak? Taking Dame. All right, oh, cool. I would, I'd probably still lean Chris Ball. Steve Nash. Again, like when you bring accolades into it and everything. This is what makes it tough, the accolades. Because I think yeah, Steve Nash in this team. era with how many threes he'd shoot could could be like a 22 plus and 10 guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I take like Steve Nash, man. 30 and 8 guy. Um, it's just tough. Uh, Steve Nash is a two-time MVP. Yeah, if I'm saying consistent, 
podcast. But I like again, if I, I just want someone on my here. team, I'd rather have Dame. But at over his, the ultimate point guard and Steve Nash. Yeah, in today's NBA, I dug myself in a hole taking Dame over CP. <laughs> I feel like but I, I draw back. I feel like I, I dug myself my taking CP over Dame. Because <laughs> now I feel like it's easier for you to keep the same logic. It's just like who would I rather on my team? It's Dame. I mean, Steve Nash right now wouldn't he just be like a better version of Trey Young? Not as, NBA. not as dynamic a score, but he, in terms if he of took more efficient, shots, he could He'd be way more efficient. Oh, man. I can't take Steve Nash, but... I think Steve Nash in this era could be like 24 and 11, bro. Mm-hmm. I, like in this era... That's a fact. It's bro, hard, that's why it's point, so hard to compare these he was errors. a 40% three-point shooter. I think if he took more threes in this era, man, he would he'd go crazy. I think uh, slightly into Steve Nash again. That's if tough. I could go back, I would take CP over Dame, and I'm also going to take... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take Steve Nash over Dame. You're taking Nash over Dame. Yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make an edit if I'm allowed to. I gotta respect my guy Chris Paul, but it's just it's tough because Dame never had that opportunity to play. We're gonna edit that on the TikTok. And Nash Nash had I an opportunity it. to win a championship <laughs> too, and uh, I think it was 06 or 07. Multiple I think it was years. the 07 Suns. Really bad luck they had. Yeah, 07 Suns. They were a championship team for sure. Jason Kidd. I'm taking Dame personally, but it's, that's tough. That's really tough. Look, the stats are going to lean Dame, no doubt. But you talk about Jason Kidd's defense, his playmaking. He took two teams to the NBA Finals. Fuck. I don't know, man. I, I'm going to go with Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just got to keep the same logic now that I took Steve Nash and Chris Paul. I'm taking Dame. Fuck the logic. And now last one, Kyrie Irving. Peak for peak. We know Kyrie, 2016 NBA Finals. Dame alert, you know, we know he has his moments too. I'm taking Dame. I'm taking Dame. I can rely on him a lot more. If if yeah, Dame, Dame was too. on the fucking Cavs with Kyrie, I mean with LeBron, what are we talking about? You know, we're doing the same thing. Uh, that's I'm why I'm so Dame. high on him. Like, yeah. people are going to go crazy. I think CP's one of the four greatest point guards to ever play. He's in the Mount Rushmore. The amazing thing about Dame's career is that he is not, like, the best player got to play with is Marcus Aldridge and then CJ McCollum. And the year where CJ McCollum played at a, let's say, almost superstar level, they went to the conference finals. Man. Chris Paul, Steve Nash, not as much Steve Nash, but I mean, Chris Paul and Kyrie, they played with some of the greatest players, and CP less so with Harden, but top five players at their peak. I understand, but Chris Paul at his peak with the Hornets. 58 Not, wins, not even yeah. his peak, but... No, he was an MVP that year. David West was an all-star because of him. Yeah. He was. Tyson he should have won MVP was that good. season. David West. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Chris Paul yeah. was... He was a demon, man. Mm-hmm. He was. He was a demon. For sure. And everywhere he... Like, I think LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin. At that time. Is Blake Griffin uh, the best clipper of all time? I threw the wire. I was talking about that in the last episode. Kind of had me crying. It's, it's, just, like, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's kind of true. It's either him or Elton Brand or Chris Paul. Elton Brand has some great clipper years. Before his torn Achilles, I think it was. Yeah. The Clippers don't have a gr- I guess it'd be Bob McAdoo. Man. Yeah, if you oh, yeah, Bob McAdoo. I forgot about him. You're still thinking, John? Oh, but sorry. What's the question? Oh, uh, Marcus Aldridge or Blake? Yeah. Oh, we're still thinking about that. <sighs> Blake? I don't know. I think I'd go to Marcus Aldridge, personally. I don't know. And I don't know. They're neck and neck. Marcus Aldridge is one of the best Blazers of all time, too. Chat, yeah. chat let us know. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin or the Marcus Aldridge? Dame did play with... Um, Evan Turner, though. That's a great point. It's a Celtic gotta, legend. Gotta respect Evan Turner. Celtic legend. Revive his career. Now we're going to take a break in this podcast right now to talk about Athletic Greens. So Athletic Greens has a lot of nutrition in their drink. Right now, I'm drinking it right now. 
in the picket side can that Santos got me. Santos. I got some athletic greens. You can see it's very greeny over here. Mm-hmm. And it tastes good. It tastes amazing. It tastes like I'm I'm drinking the it's earth. It's like a Jets green? No, it's like a dookie green. Okay. But it's very delicious. You know what dookie green means? Dookie? You know what dookie is? <laughs> oh, oh, that dookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a dookie green, but yeah. it's it tastes freaking amazing. And it's a great way to get your nutrients throughout the day. You just put the powder in some water. You mix it, and it, it tastes like earthy, very earthy. You know, I feel like I'm I'm drinking out of like I don't know the equator or something. <laughs> the equator, oh <laughs> like, man, you're killing this. And guy. one small scoop of AG1 with water and drinking first thing in the morning, you're mm. done. That's what you got to do. If you work out, this would be perfect for you. Or even if you just need some extra energy throughout the day, it'll be perfect. It also costs less than three dollars a day to have it. That's pretty good if you ask me. It's really an effective daily habit for me. I've been drinking this almost every single day. It's the highest quality source ingredients. It's a win-win. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash pick That's athleticgreens.com slash pick Check it out. And when Athletic Greens gave us our package, we got a whole kind of like a, a jar of the powder, but we also got the travel packs, and that's what I'm using right now. I'm using the travel packs. I use it in Arizona. Just got some water every day. Put the little powder in there. Mix it. It tastes very greeny. I love it, man. Athletic Greens is the way to go. How long have you been taking it for? Hmm? How long have you been taking it for? About like a month. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I know that Drew's been taking it a lot, too. Yeah, no, he, yeah. he was doing it, it even while, right? uh, before we had the, the ad, the sponsor. Because he has the uh, digestive issues, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Drew's issue for years was he's lactose intolerant, and he just mm. ignored it. You know? oh, lactose yeah, yeah. intolerant. Yeah. On to the next topic. The New York Knicks. Here we go. Back-to-back basketball episodes of the Knicks topic. Now, listen. Knicks topics do well. We got to always talk about the Knicks. And <laughs> as long as I'm on this show, we're talking about the New York Knicks. Oh, you're a Knicks fan right? again. Well, I've always been a Knicks fan. Ah, Listen, I think I think the so shade that watch them. I think that the I do watch them all the time. Now we, you do. We just watched them together the other I night. I know, I know, but you in the beginning of the season you didn't. Yes, because I told <laughs> I told you why though. Because it's hard to watch their games. Oh. I gotta go to Stream East. MSG finally they're releasing a service called MSG Plus where you can buy a, a monthly or, or thirty a month. It's expensive as hell, man. It's ridiculous. MSG's ridiculous. It's three hundred dollars a year. How do you hate Stream East? Huh? Do you just want to see it on your TV? Yeah, that's why. I like seeing my games on my TV. And sometimes my laptop, I'll be like, you know, just doing other stuff on it. So that's why I don't don't like streaming on my laptop. But recently I've been watching all the Knicks games. And listen, if the Knicks were on, if I had MSG on YouTube TV, I'd watch every game. But they've made it difficult because when YouTube TV and MSG were were trying to come to an agreement, they couldn't agree to anything. And now MSG is having MSG Plus, and I'm going to have to pay the tax because I want to watch my Knicks. I think it's very rich, and you you and Drew do this a lot because Riv lets me side because Riv knows how long I've been a diehard fan of the Knicks. He doesn't question it, not even a little bit. You guys question it when I was the only guy that had Jalen Brunson as an all-star in the offseason. I mean, give me my goddamn respect. Yeah, you know? I gave you your respect for Jalen Brunson. Give me Brunson. my goddamn respect. It doesn't mean that you get respect for the Knicks after you just bash them. You were a Nets fan for half the year. Our Through the Wire collab. I was propping up the Knicks, baby. Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing was propping up the Knicks. 
But all of a sudden, I don't watch it because they've made it more difficult for fans to watch their product. I'm the I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah, okay. Listen, I'm a victim. MSG <laughs> got to figure themselves God. out. So I'm dramatic. a victim. Speaking of the Nets, right now at halftime, Jalen Brunson has 30 points versus the Nets. Damn. The Knicks are up 81 to 57. And um, scoring is on all-time high, and clearly Jalen Brunson, he is. Jalen Brunson, 50 ball today? Oh, he's probably needs Possible. to be honest. They're up, they're they're up by at halftime. Like, yeah. <laughs> RJ Barrett, nine points, one assist. <laughs> it's halftime, so. Uh. So talk to me, Joel. I want a Julius Randle jersey. Um, listen, first I'm of certified. all, you get respect. KP, Julius Randle, Carmelo, I got all of them. The only reason why I give you so much shit is because you were riding, absolutely riding till the finish for the Brooklyn Nets. KD was on there. It doesn't matter. It's the big. It, it's it's New York. You can't like two New York teams. It does. You can't be a Giants and Jets fan. You can't be a Knicks and Nets fan. It doesn't work like that. It does. You can't be a Lakers and Clippers fan. No, it doesn't happen. You you pick one and you keep it pushing. But can the Nets be an exception because they're in Jersey? Dwells from Jersey. Yeah. It's, it's all the same. It's, it's all the same. It's New Jersey, Brooklyn. We're, we're acting like it's four thousand. My, first, my first my first NBA game was a New Jersey Nets game, bro. Their tickets were like four dollars at one oh, point. Oh, so why, why aren't you a Nets fan then? I was a New Jersey Nets fan in two thousand nine. I I told you guys a story of how I became a Knicks fan. Carmelo Anthony was on the trade block, and my. 10 or 11-year-old self said, wherever Carmelo goes, I'm going to be the fan of that team. I also knew the Nets were moving to Brooklyn, and that took away the allure for me, being a Nets fan. That's fair. And I was like, okay, listen, wherever Carmelo goes, Carmelo went to the Knicks, and I became a Knicks fan. Listen, that story is great. It brings a tear to my eye. But how about 2022, 2023, Joel, (laughs) who's not 10, 11 years old, was rooting for the Nets and the Knicks? I hyped up the Knicks all offseason long. I said they would be better than the Bulls, and y'all laughed at me. I don't think we laughed at you. Yeah, I laughed at me. I don't know. I don't think I laughed at you for Riv, saying that. Riv definitely well, laughed at me for that. Fan. Yeah, but, you know, when I was saying I took the Knicks over certain teams, you guys thought it was crazy. When I took the big three of Brunson and Randall and RJ over Levine, Vucevic, and DeRozan, y'all thought I was crazy. That was a hot take. Yeah. At the time, it was and, a hot and take. And now, it, it, it aged well. Out, you know what I'm saying? Well. So, I've been riding for my Knicks. Just, but, but I thought that next we, year could we, easily talk, be the other we way talked about the Nets a lot. Because you're a Celtics fan, and that was a team that could compete and contend with them. So, can the Knicks NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Oh, we'll get to that in a bit, Mr. Oh, let's, Dells. Let's hear it. Mr. Deli, man. Let's hear Listen, it. never disrespect my Knicks fan because I've been through some shit with them. Oh, I know. I, I've I seen, respect I've it. seen Kareem Allen start for us. <laughs> Damian Dotson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Lance Thomas. No, I mean, come on. Lou Amundsen had a Steve big Novak. top performance for us. I remember, I remember a game where Lou Cornette was a savior for us. <laughs> man, I remember these times, man. Mario I'm enjoying Jonia. my goddamn my flowers right now with the Knicks because, listen, Jalen Brunson... I even was wrong about it because he's way better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a star player, but he's like even more. He's a step above that. Julius Randle's back to being an all NBA player. Quinn Grimes, one of the best three and D players in the league. Mitchell Robinson is one of the best defenders and Josh Hart six and zero since we got him is about to be seven and zero because we're beating the brakes off the nets right now. Listen, man, the Knicks are serious. They're legit. We can win a playoff series. 
This isn't the same. Against two. This isn't the same Knicks in the bubble or the COVID year, I should say. Not the bubble, the COVID year where, Bless you. where we lost to the Hawks in the first round. We didn't have a player like Jalen Brunson. We did not. Julius Randle, for some reason, averaged 37 in the regular season and then shit the bed in the playoffs against the Hawks. We didn't have Mitchell Robinson either. When we talk about the Knicks and who we could beat in the Eastern Conference, it's not crazy to say we can beat the Cavaliers in the series. It's not crazy to say we can beat the Sixers in a series. Man, it, Dells, it's not crazy to say that we, we'll give those Celtics lucky charm team a little run for their money. Listen, Dells, you got to start respecting the Knicks because we watched the Knicks game together. You and I on my couch. We was up there the other day. And who won that game, Dells? The Knicks. We, the New York Knicks, baby. We shot like 22% from three. That's because our defense is suffocating. We were missing wide open our threes. Our defense you, is suffocating, We were missing baby. wide the fuck open And now, listen, man, I feel good, man. I feel amazing. I'm happy. Because the Knicks are good. The Bulls are bad. The Hawks look like <laughs> shit. I mean, all the teams that I thought that I, that I had anti-agendas for are all not right. are not doing well. What's up those boys? Who? Right, right behind your left shoulder. Your, your other shoulder. Ah, uh, the other shoulder, the other one, the other one, the other one. Oh, Jason Ah, Tatum. there he is, there he is, there he is. Hey, listen, you, I know you're scared. And Bill Simmons, he's a mega Celtics fan. He said he would Big be Boston guy. scared to face New York. Yeah. And he should be. Because the Knicks, baby, you don't want that smoke. You do not want that smoke. You don't want that smoke, baby. This is the, like, how, are, how are you different than a Lakers fan saying they could go to the finals? Saying you could beat the Celtics. I said that we'll have a chance. We'll, we'll give you a run for your money. What does that mean? Six games? You know, like, you you might beat us in the end, but we'll definitely give you some punches and some black eyes on the way. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I That's what I'm it. saying. Um, I believe that, I don't know if we want to talk about just the Knicks, because I believe the question for the topic list was, can what superstar, or is it attractive destination for a superstar? Two-part. I know you have been very high on Joel Embiid yeah. possibly joining Shares my first name. He does. Yeah. yeah. Listen, we are an attractive destination. I think... The same way the Brooklyn Nets made the playoffs with Dinwiddie, Lavert, and D'Lo, and Jared Allen, they built a good, great culture mm-hmm. with Kenny Atkinson. I'll be damned if current superstar players are looking at the Knicks like, I might want to go there next. Listen, if the Sixers get bounced out and get embarrassed in the playoffs, Joel Embiid is going to request a trade, and the Knicks, I promise you, will be the first team calling because we got young players, we have picks, we have cap space, we have tradable contracts. If we can get Joel Embiid in New York, my oh my, Dells, it becomes scary. John, it becomes scary. If we had a top seven player in the NBA, things are going to get scary. Tom Thibodeau, relationship, he has one with Jimmy Butler. The Miami Heat look like they're imploding. That's another team we would beat in the playoffs if we match up against them. No doubt about it. The Miami Heat cannot beat the Knicks. Let's stop playing ourselves. What? They can't beat us. Say that Even one more up. time. The Heat can't beat the Knicks in the first round series. They cannot. So you think Eric Spolster will lose to Tom Thibodeau? Oof. Yes, I you do. You think Jimmy Butler will lose to Julius Randle? He lose to Jalen Brunson, baby. <laughs> Let's stop playing. Is Jalen Brunson respect. better than Jimmy Butler? Right now, hell yeah, he is. Oh, playoff yeah. time. You know what happens in playoff time. Jalen Brunson just dro- he averaged thirty against the Jazz. I know, in the but Jimmy Butler does year after year after year after year. No, not not year after year. He mm. take he takes a, 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 an off year sometimes. Buddy. The year before. 
he just made it to the finals. He was garbage in the first round versus the Bucks. And then he just took the Celtics to seven when they were just that not was after even close he to took the team. Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. The following season, he was a game away, a shot away from the NBA Finals. Every single year, we talk about Nikola Jokic before and how NBA fans like to discredit the Nuggets, however way they can. The Miami Heat, look, their three point shooting has dropped off this year, but they're being the Knicks in five or six games. No, they're not. You know what, John? What so just is, get the Jalen Brunson. Oh, the Knicks. John, I noticed something about you. You disrespect teams that start with a K. The Kings, the Knicks, it's both. <laughs> Why are you disrespecting those I teams? I had the Kings being a top seven oh, seed going this year. My goodness. So that's what, not a, what a crazy agenda, the K agenda. You're, you're disrespecting teams, man, left and right. Listen, be on the right side of history for this one because the Knicks are going to get out the first round. And I, I, like I was saying, Tom Thibodeau has a relationship with Jimmy Butler. What if Jimmy Butler wants out of Miami? The Knicks could come calling. Jalen Brunson, Jimmy Randall. I mean, that to me reminds me of, of the 90s gritty New York team. Blood in the garden. I mean, come on. That wasn't on. good enough offensively to win championship. We're a top they're 10 there. offense right now. I know. Well, right now they're like six in the offensive six. rating. Yeah. That was just a, so a little strap. So the Knicks remind me a lot of the Toronto Raptors, independent of Jamar DeRozan, where Jalen Brunson is becoming this Knicks franchise's Kyle Lowry. Every fan loves him, but because before Kyle Lowry, the, the Raptors did not have that true, reliable, steadfast point. Jalen Brunson this year has been top 10 at the position. And Julius Randle has gotten better and better playing off the ball. That duo has been elite this year in the regular season. But we know in the playoffs, the Knicks need a superstar wing, which R.J. Barrett developed to be, you know, Andre Bargnani style. He hasn't developed. And you look at the bench, look, you got Josh Hart. I mean, real quickly, he's the runner probably for six, six man of the year to maybe Malcolm Brogdon. He may win the thing because of how well he has played in his third season. The only thing the Knicks lack is that top 10 player. Because in today's NBA, you don't see teams like the Heat. They have pretty close to that top 10 player in Jimmy Butler. They've had a defensive player of the year candidate year in and year out in Bam Adebayo. They have Tyler Hero, who in the playoffs, when healthy, has shown to be a player that can lead you to the, help lead you to the finals as one of your main perimeter scorers. The whole Heat thing doesn't matter because you're not going to play in the first round. Currently, you guys are slated to play the Cleveland Cavaliers could beat them. in the first round of we playoffs. We could beat them. Most definitely. We could, we could beat them. We could beat them. <laughs> I'm picking the Knicks in that series. Ooh, ooh, we could beat ooh, them. Oh, man. Oh, man. So John, we talked about this last episode. Did we you did. Take the Cavs? I don't remember. I took the Cavs in oh. six And, games. John, the fact that you're so high on the Heat, they just got Kevin Love off the buyout market who's been horrible. They're desperate. We don't have to talk about the Heat because, like you said, not playing yeah. the first round. Listen, the, Cavs, the Cavs are a way different beast than the Heat. Quentin Grimes can guard Donovan Mitchell. Stop, bro. What do you mean, stop? Just like, yes. Quentin Grimes no, is no, a great Quint, defender. He's a great plus. defender. We're talking about Donovan Mitchell. We're talking about Quentin Grimes. What's Donovan Mitchell going to average? Tell me. Yeah, probably 26, 27 a game. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Jalen Brunson just beat Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. You stop. forgot that? Oh what do you mean, stop it? There are two different teams. You're biased. Yeah, showing. this Knicks team is better than the Mavs team that Jalen Brunson was carrying. Is who it is, not? Who is the better front court? It's close. Is it? It's close. Mobley. Julius Randle is better than Mobley, bro. Uh, Mobley and Jared Allen. Jared Allen and Mitch. Jared Allen is better than Mitch, but it's not a huge ass gap. Julius is Julius Randle not better than Evan Mobley? He is he not is. better than Evan Mobley. Yes, he is. Oh, Evan bro. Mobley. I mean, what defensively, are you about? first team. Julius Randle's an All Star. Evan Mobley's not an All Star. Defensively, Mobley without Who's a doubt. Have in your team. Long term, Evan Mobley because he's what twenty one years old, right twenty two. Yes, 
right now, Julius Randle is a better player. Do you not than get Evan word Mobley. of Ju- uh, playoff Julius Randle? No, because I it think was the outlier one time thing. Yes, because I think now you won't be able to load up on Julius Randle. He just talked about in an interview how he worked on his mental, mental health a lot. Yep. He's back. I think Julius Randle wants to be in the playoffs and wants to showcase <laughs> his true skills. I mean, let's, come on. Sorry, let's not forget. I'm, I'm laughing at the chat saying we need Drew to talk about the next, but go on. Yeah, great point. The next fan. <laughs> let's not forget in the 2021 postseason series, Derrick Rose was amazing. 19 points per game in five games. You had a high-level point guard, not Jalen Brunson, but you had a pretty good one, and RJ and Julius both shat the bed. Derrick Rose was good in that series, but he was our only guy. Yeah. He was our only one. Yeah. And his production will not be Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson will average 26 plus in a playoff series. Julius Randle's gonna he's gonna play well. We got listen, RJ Barrett's that X Factor, baby. Oh man. You take some pressure off of RJ Barrett, he might come to play too. Quinn Grimes is one of the best 3D players in the league. So Mitchell Robinson is one of the best defenders in the league. What this is, Joel, is a Knicks fan, seeing a team that's great in the regular season, saying just because we have Jalen Brunson and the breath of fresh air they just have an elite point guard, they can beat Cleveland. Look. In the regular season, Julius Randle is better than Evan Mobley. But who would I rather have in the playoff crucible? Given the last time Randle played in the playoffs, the only time playing the playoffs, he was useless. I would rather have Evan Mobley on my team. And that playoff series against Jared Allen, an elite rim protector, and one of the two best defenses in the league, I'm pretty confident Julius Randle would struggle. John, who's the better player, Julius Randle or Evan Mobley right now? In the regular season? or in- <laughs> Who's the fucking better <laughs> player? I'm tired of this. That's we not know fair. defensively we, it's Mobley without question. Offense, offensively bro, it's offense Randall. All around defense. we know that Julius Randle is a better player. In the playoffs, when, yeah, in, yes. the playoffs yes. in the playoffs, yes. when you already have yes. Mitchell and yes. Garland, they could create all the offense. Historic, Mobley, that's not historically, to be asked to it. teams that have won championships are great offensive teams, but also great deep. The two best defense were in the finals. But last their year. offenses are usually better than their defenses. I read it in the Thinking Basketball book by uh, Ben Taylor. You have to have great a good book. defense to an extent. All I'm saying is that John. I feel like you're looking at Julius Randle, you're looking at him like a trash bag. He's not that. He was He's an all-star. He's an all-NBA player. He was why are an you NBA acting player like two he's, years ago. Why too. are you acting like he's not a great player? Because you're talking about them being the Cavaliers and the Miami okay. Heat in the playoffs. So, so That's why. Miami Heat suck. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, the Heat, they can get past the Heat. And I'm not even I looking feel pretty at disrespect about Randle because this has been a career year for him. As a shooter, the volume. Fantastic. He's been fantastic okay, with John, that point guard John, in the mix. What up? Because... You only take it take into account your scenarios, right? How about you take into account my <laughs> scenario? What if Randall actually plays well and plays at an all-star level in the series versus the Cavs? Can we not beat them? Is he gonna do that against Evan Mobley? One of the best why players not? in the NBA. One of the and best Isaac players in the NBA. Well, why not go off against Curl? Hold up. Why, if Quinn Grimes could guard Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley can guard Julius Randall. And here's no, the I other think thing he can make too. it tough for sure, but Julius Randall's a great player, bro. What are we talking about here? Sounds great, Zion Mitchell. Two years ago, Julius Randle averaged 37 points per game in three matchups versus the Hawks in the regular season. They get to the playoffs, and Randle is shooting, what, 30% from the field? Bro, we're, this, year, we're two and so one against, this year, we're 2-1 and one against the Cavs. Julius Randle, last matchup, had 36 and 13. Brunson struggled with 14 points. The matchup before that, Julius Randle had 18 and 9. Brunson had 23. The first matchup where the Cavaliers... Beat us. Julius Randle at 15, 9, and 7. We kind of struggled that game. Julius Randle will average 20 plus in that series. Bro. And we got a shout out Rap Stallion. He goes, As soon as you're basing your argument on what if, 
you're toast. What do you mean, what if? Your your entire argument is what if. Your argument was, Julius Randle is a great Julius player. Julius Randle plays well for that, the first time, though we've never seen Should I not expect a player that's an all-star to play well in a playoff? Did he play well is two that years ago? It's, it's just you team. have very recent history to say he played at an all-NBA level in the playoffs. He stunk it up. Okay, and what, 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 about, the, what about the law of averages? The that's law of that's, averages that's, means that, that Julius Randle, he played like shit last playoffs. He's definitely coming with some motivation to play better, bro. For sure. Let's, let's stop acting like he he can't uh, he go. can't play well. So in five games versus the Hawks, 18 points on 29% oh, shooting. God. But he did shoot 33% from three. There you go. And four and a half turnovers in five games. Listen, I could give you the heat. I'll give you the heat. I don't think at all they're a real contender. The Cavs... Sneaky, like they're that third team in the East. I know Philly's there for sure, but they're that third no, 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 team no. in the East. Philly is that third team in the East. I don't know. No, I, I don't. They know. are better than the Cavs. Uh, what are we cl- talking it's, about? It's here? debatable. My goodness, debatable. Joel Embiid and James Harden, they're great without a doubt. Hey, I'm surprised. A lot of people are saying the Heat are terrible this year. They are. Why are we acting like Jimmy Butler is not an elite superstar playoff performer? He's he not. Nice. But this team's mid. You don't think their shooting can go back from 28th in the league to at least somewhere in the 20s? They get Duncan no. Robinson back? No. Who, who are the 20s? Shooting? Your you shooting? think Max, Max Drews can shoot better? Same with Gabe Vincent. Those guys in the playoffs last year were starters but John, on a team they're in the that 20s. almost took yeah, yeah, themselves down. The they Dallas. took their Celtics down the wire with Yo, Max Dallas, 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 Dallas. Yo, if Max Drews, if his foot was not on the line, you were going home. Uh, Yo, Dallas, you were Dallas, not going to the finals. Was on the line. Yo, you're yeah. telling me, okay. before the final series in the bubble, you know that Goran Dragic was averaging more points per game than Jimmy Butler in that playoff Dragic was yeah. cooking. Yeah, but it wasn't elite, he though. He cooked us, bro. Uh, bro, bro let's, let's look at these numbers by Jimmy Butler. For one, he's a career 20-point-per-game playoff performer. Last playoffs, he averaged 27. The one before that, he averaged 14 and a half. The one before, he averaged 22. Then he averaged 19, 16, 23, 23, 13, 13. That's an elite playoff. That's, oh, that's a consistently years. elite those, playoff Those performer. early years. He's okay, not a, whatever. He's those not early consistently years. an elite playoff performer, bro. He had an elite right, year. So he's not consistently this an elite playoff performer. Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum last year in the postseason. Who played better in the Eastern Conference? Okay, playoffs? that was the one year that Jimmy Butler was actually legit elite in the playoffs. Outside of that, he was not. And he, he had, had thinkers, a, He had a great, yeah, he had a, some thinkers. great games in the finals. But before that, Goran Dragic was actually more points than him. He was not great all around in that playoff I, I was saying even last playoff run against Celtics. Great. I would say elite. He, had, he, he had wasn't elite all around. He was yeah. also injured too. That's so was Tatum. What did Tatum have? He had a wrist injury. His wrist. Yeah. Larry Bird uh, MVP or whatever. The <laughs> like, bro. When we talk about <laughs> the, it, should have been Jimmy Butler. The Heat lose. don't. The Heat don't even have depth, bro. They have. They, they have no. They Cody Zeller is their backup center. Yeah, it's an issue. Kevin it's Love is starting. Yeah, he's washed. I think the Cavs is a real, real test against. It's a debate. It is the Heat. The Heat. I'm with you. Hey, look, I'm not saying, I don't believe in the Heat this year, yeah. even though it's I'm not great. saying 100. The Knicks are going to beat the Cavaliers, but I'm saying we got a chance. Oh, goddamn sure. it, we I'm got with a you. chance. I'm with you, and I'll be damned if John here acts like you know, we don't, I don't got think a he's chance. Saying that, I don't think John's saying there's no chance. Are you? No, there's a great chance. Number one, I think they would probably be going toe to toe with those two teams, but the Knicks are not a favorite to win that Cavalier series by any stretch. And you're acting like, oh, they're just gonna win. Like that's the series you were a heavy. I can't believe in my team. Reason. I think we're, we could win that series. You could like twenty percent chance. Twenty percent chance is ridiculous, bro. It's at 20%. least it's sixty forty. In favor of the Knicks. In favor, I would say the Cavs slightly, but the Knicks can beat the Cavs, bro. Twenty well, percent's not a slight. You're over here wearing the everybody sweatshirt. You're not giving credit to everybody. <laughs> You're not giving credit to the Knicks. I am. I talked to them before. They have run up for six minutes of the year. Maybe the favorite, or no, RJ Barrett, definitely not. Jalen Brunson is borderline all-league, all-NBA, third team. 
And Jalen, not Jalen, Jesus. And Julius Randle as well has that case. It's in our bench. They're a great regular season team. And I think this Josh Hart acquisition is another reason that, that makes him so sturdy defensively where they've gotten better and better the last couple of weeks. But the playoffs are a much different animal. And when you haven't proven yourself in that scenario and your coach is Tom Thibodeau, who in the past has lost three different series where he had home court advantage in five games, well, history would tell me a fourth time would not be shocking this season. He also won a playoff series with Nate Robinson being his best player. What year is that? And that was with the Bulls. I had to pull this up because I don't remember this. <laughs> Look it up. Nate Robinson playoff stats. He went crazy. Is that against the uh, processing 76ers? No, that was against before? the Nets in the playoffs. What year are you talking about? He averaged 16. It's the 2012-2013 season. They beat the Nets in seven games. And Nate Robinson averaged 17 a game in that series. And the team was Boozer, Robinson, Luol Deng, Bellinelli, and, you know, a young butler. And the Nets had Brooke, Darren, Joe Johnson. You know, they had their team, you know, little cute team. Cute team. Wasn't the KG and Paul Pierce. That's not moving me that series from a decade ago. When the league has changed a lot. You're you're doing a lot right now. No, I'm just saying, bro, I just brought brought up an example. I know, bro, we're talking about about Nate Robinson. Like, that's how long ago this was. But I'm saying, that that was an amazing series, man. No, but I'm surprised you don't know about it, John. You're a historian. You don't know about that series. Come on, what are we doing? It wasn't very memorable. It was right. very memorable. Nate Robinson, 5'9", short king. He did his thing. He did do his thing. He did his thing. Dunk contest champion. Listen, three times. Listen, listen, John. <laughs> Josh Hart. You look at our bench. Josh Hart, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Hartenstein. You know, this is what you like to do, John. I don't understand it. When the Knicks got Hartenstein, you love the move. Ah, you know, you love the, what the Knicks are building. But then when it comes to talk about them as a, as a team that can maybe upset in the playoffs, you all of a sudden go AWOL and say, you know what? They don't got a chance. You did this with the Kings. You like the Kings all year. Then when we have a debate, you, you turn heel. You turn your backs. Uh, you turn your back against the team you were cheering for. When I talk about the Knicks, Josh Hart has been that guy who's really solidified our rotation. And he reminds me a lot of when in the COVID year, we got Derrick Rose. He is that difference for us this year. We're undefeated with him. Josh Hart has been amazing. The same guy he's you were low on. He's been tweaking. John, I told you, Josh Hart's a great addition. You told me, no, he's not. And he's proving you wrong. <laughs> now I understand why you got a sour taste in your mouth about the Knicks. Because Josh Hart came to the Knicks and said, listen, John, I'm up. Mm. <laughs> John, you're not going to get me now. So I can understand your frustration with the John's Knicks. Logic, but man, please, ju- just because you have some negativity and toxicity thrown Josh Hart's way. Mm. Don't let it blind you from what this Knicks team is. What is this Knicks team? Josh What's the ceiling? We can win in the fir- we can win in the first round. Word. Definitely. That's fair. Definitely. I think that's fair. We can we can make we can win a playoff series for sure. I do. Do you think you should be favored against the Cavs? I think it should be an even series. Plus 100 even money. I think yes. It should be an even series. Okay. I respect that. Jalen so. Brunson has been playing better than Donovan Mitchell since the start of New Year. Yeah, listen, Jalen Brunson's playing one of the fucking, I mean, J.J. Reddick said it, one of the top two point guards in the NBA. It's Lillard and him, literally. Um, but I'm glad you have realistic expectations. That's what I'm happy I about. don't think we're going to win a championship. I never said yeah. that. No, I know. All I know. I'm saying is that, come on. like I would still be taking the Cavs in that series. Let, let's stop acting like the Cavs have proven things either. Darius Garland has never been to the playoffs. Neither has Evan Mobley. Mitchell has. These guys are Brunson, in like year two, year three, bro. Grimes is in year two, year I'm, three. I'm talking about you, but you talk about Garland and Mobley. Okay. Most of our guys, 
at least they got some experience. Brunson, Randall. They've done it, Mitchell. We got we got experience. Okay, they, we got Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson just beat him in the playoffs. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand, Dallas. But the, you can't talk about the fucking Jazz and Dallas Mavericks when it's now the Knicks versus the Cavs. The Jazz who had Rudy Gobert and defense but, player of the year. I don't like every. It's completely different matchups, different players, different coaches. Different, like it's everything is different. All I'm saying, yeah, and Jalen Brunson has a better team around him right now. The two man game with J, with Julius Randle is gonna be amazing. All I'm saying is that you look at the Cavs bench. That's a serious concern, bro. Mm, it is. Like, we have a better bench. We have the yeah. sixth man of the year, Emmanuel, quickly mm, on our up. team. Okay, whatever. Brogdon, him, whatever. It's a toss-up. All I'm ah. saying, we have a, we have a great fair. bench, bro. You know, Brooklyn, we, we, I, got, we got players that can come to play. I just don't like this. You're just saying we don't got a chance. I, that's disrespectful. I never said you didn't have a chance. I just said you're not winning that series. More likely than not, you're like a 70-30 underdog, which is reasonable. Dallas. That's okay. Dallas. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there really a difference in what he said and not having a chance? 70-30... I don't remember saying not a chance. 70-30 is based... It's not no chance, but it's a small chance. You need a lot I'm of things sorry to go for, your way. You didn't directly say you don't have a chance, but based on your tone, you're, you're making around it sound like it's say, impossible. Yeah. I'm reacting not to, to you them. saying they would easily beat the Cavaliers. I said that? <laughs> you didn't say I that. Said you that. said they would definitely beat them. Really, the case may be. I said we could. Let's shift gears a little bit to that second question you had about the Knicks. Here we go. Because that is a much more interesting discussion. Say that again? Joel Embiid? Is that what you're getting at? Listen, Joel Embiid is the one I got. Is the one guy I want. Do you have any hesitancy? Because you give up Joel Embiid, all the fucking picks you're ever gone. Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin. Like, you were really tearing apart this team to put Randall, Brunson, Embiid. Who knows if they even want R.J. Barrett, let's be completely honest. Are you okay with giving up basically your entire future, all of your tradable assets to go out and get Joel Embiid, pair him with Randall, Brunson, no fit issues, no, everything's going to work smoothly? I think if we get a, we get Joel Embiid, the Randall fit concerns me. For, I, I agree. And I think we probably have to move Randall. And Randall coming off an all-star year, we could get a great package for him, or Philly could take him on. You know, what if, what if they trade us Embiid, we trade them Randall and picks and maybe a young player on our roster... I don't know. It could work. Don't you think they would go into a rebuild? Like if Embiid leaves, Harden's gone too, probably, right? What if like, it's not a rebuild, though? What if they just want to be competitive and stuff? But uh, let's be real. How like, would you want to do that? Do you think Daryl Morey's the type to do that? I don't know. He's, He's a home run high. hitter. That's why I feel like he would like, go. The Knicks are bidding against the Blazers, probably, who have Ant Simons and maybe Shane Sharp on the table. And what asset do you have that's anywhere near that level? Because R.J. Barrett's making $25 million, and he's not even playing at a starting level right now. I think Quentin Grimes can't be the centerpiece of a deal for Joel, Joel Embiid. Listen, I think R.J. Barrett's the one guy that we got to really try to find a move, move for. It's a rough time to do his, that. Yeah, his trade value has never been lower. It's radioactive. <laughs> yeah. Is he a negative asset? I go Easily negative asset. Oh, you think he is? He's in year four, and he can't finish. He still he has some good strengths in this game. He's got good touch, and he get does good job in transition when he's playing aggressive, but he can't shoot. And he has a lot of deficiencies on offense. And defensively this year, the effort has not been there on a consistent basis. That's a negative value contract. And he's going to year five. And he has not developed at all in the last two years. Listen, I got off the RJ thing really quick. No, I know. Yeah. But that, but it's a good point because the Trailblazers are, without a doubt, going to be one of those teams. We just yeah. talked about Damon Lillard getting that second star. Mm -hmm. Give me Shane Sharp, Simons, and Picks over whatever the hell you guys are going to offer. I mean, listen, man. I've been off the RJ thing for a while. 
I know. And but that doesn't have anything to do with this potential trade package. Yes. I, I don't know if any team, if Arj is going to be the centerpiece of any star player and, trade. And plus, you get to trade him to the West. You don't have to deal with him. You don't get to trade him to the Knicks, who historically, you know. Yeah. I think the player that had to be involved would be Emmanuel quickly. Mm-hmm. I think we'd have to let him go, unfortunately. Upcoming extension as well. Too. You're going to have to pay him in the high teens at least. Yeah. He's been huge defensively as well. For a smaller no, he's one guard, of the better defenders in the league. One of the best guard defenders. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. If only you guys could draft as well in the top 10. So as that's you what I'm saying, bro. Yeah. Play first that's that's what shot. I'm saying, bro. We literally have Emmanuel Quigley and Crane Grimes who we could put on Garland and Mitchell. They're going to get theirs. Joel. Oh, let's go. We're up 11. Donovan Mitchell we against were... likes of Paul George has single-handedly one playoff series against elite defenders in the past. <laughs> Emmanuel Quigley's a good defender in the regular season, but Donovan Mitchell... And Darius Garland are arguably the best backcourt in the NBA now. Okay. What happened last playoff series? The Jazz versus the Mavericks. Jalen Brunson without Luka. He won 2-1. to one. He outplayed Donovan on an ankle injury, if memory serves. He was a little bit pained up. What did Jalen Brunson average? 31. 30. He outplayed him. He cannot play him again. Oh Don't God. sleep on Jalen Brunson, man. You got this. Is, you're just, like, not comparing. It's not the same thing. They're not... Bro, I'm a listen. I, I want it. I hate the Brunson versus Mitchell comparison from three games last year with on two different teams. Yeah, this year Brunson has been just as good as Mitchell. I, I understand. Recently, I understand. Recently, recently sure. yes. Recently, no, recently for sure. he's been better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And listen, I just think the Cavaliers still have the more complete roster. While, he just had while, thirty. While the the bench definitely concerns me, and the wing play as well. Obviously, just having Isaac Okoro is really your only playable wing. Um, I know you're a Dean Wade fan, so I, I, I won't speak for you. Um, Christopher can swing a playoff game, though. It's not act like he can. He can. Um, he has. What? What, what? He can swing a playoff game who, if he's who, making shots. What has shots. he swung? That's a good point. <laughs> John, what the fuck? He hasn't been on a team that's good. That's the difference. Um, he's inconsistent. But I like the I like the Cavs over. They're starting five. I like more than yours. I like the the Twin Towers with Mobley yeah. and Jared Allen. I like the backcourt with Garland and Mitchell, who could just completely run this offense. A core is the only weak link there, which I understand. If you if you want to point out the depth and the overall team of the Knicks, I understand. I just I have my reservations against going up Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Mobley, one of the best defenders in the league, Jared Allen, one of the best rim protectors in the league. Mitt, listen, Mitchell Robinson, obviously he's great too, but injury concerns, Julius. Durant, I just feel like there's more questions going into that series about the Knicks than there will be about the Cavaliers. I will say this to you, Dells. When the Knicks get Joel Embiid, Celtics and Knicks is on. Say less. How it's on. And I know that he's still a little bit mad. Because last time we faced in the playoffs, the Knicks and Celtics, we won. We beat you What year is this? It's like 2012, 2013, okay. I think. Shit, shit, beat shit don't move me. We beat ya. Yeah. Last time we faced. Was that mellow? We got ya. Yeah. yeah. Old ass team. <laughs> Sit say, like, that doesn't move Let's me. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Stop playing. You guys are a free agent destination, not a key team in the trade market. Like, you've signed two guys that have developed. They don't have money, though. We talked about this yesterday. Right? They're playing RJ. Brunson, yeah, Randall. That's a great point. RJ is We do it. have cap space. Randall's on a really friendly contract. But not enough to get a max contract guy. Fournier has a $17 million cap hit that I think we uh, can player or team? Uh, I think it's or a just, team option. Okay, team option. That's easy to climb. Um, yeah, but that's in 2025. So you've oh, got one more fucked. year with Fournier. But he's expiring in a sense if it's a team option. So yeah, you can probably move off that. Oh. But no, if you're going into this offseason, next year it'll be expiring in a sense. Yes. And next next year is he's on an expiring yeah. deal. Yeah. 
But he's a movable piece that we can he trade is. in you the deal. Probably have to attach a I'm second like, round pick or something. But. Oh yeah, no, I'm saying like for like for example for like a Joel Embiid, we can definitely to match have salary. Our, yeah, yeah. yeah so he's an important player for that. You guys have Derrick Rose is expiring this year, but you also have Josh Hart. You're gonna have to extend most likely until you trade a first round. Oh, yeah, pick according to you, we shouldn't extend him. It's a bad move to begin I with. I didn't say that. I said when he was making 30% of his threes in Portland, that's a terrible fit for a Knicks team that lacks three-point shooting, but he's making 60% of the threes through seven games. Guess why? So. He's playing with his Villanova teammate in Jalen Brunson. And Josh Hart even said that the Knicks are not just a team that wants to get into the playoffs. We want to make a playoff run. Yep. I believe him. I think every team has it. that mindset, right? We could do it. I love the confidence. <laughs> I do love it. Shout out to Deco. Donated $4.99. Got to head out early. But good to have you back today. And Warriors big dubs. Who did they play last night? Blazers? Was it? Yeah, they came yeah, yeah. back from, I think it was 20-point deficit. And had a ridiculous second half, yeah. Now, before we go on to this week in the NBA, we're going to play a little game. Mojo, long or short? Let's do it. Which, you know, long means we're going to invest in them long term. Short means that we are banking on their stock price to go down. John has the images in front of me. What order is it in, if you could tell me right now? Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, R.J. Barrett. Julius Randle. Oh, it's Knicks edition. It yes. is. It's a team edition. And then Mitchell Robinson. So, up. Mojo, longer, short, Knicks edition, first name up, Jalen Brunson. Are you going long or are you shorting him? He's currently at $143. I'm going long. He was one of my picks when Mojo first released NBA uh, you know, player stocks. I'm all in on Jalen Brunson. He's been phenomenal this season, and there's no reason to think he's going to stop. I have to go long as well because they're going to make the playoffs this year. Brunson has performed in the past in the postseason, and I'm expecting that to continue. Yeah, I'm going long. I think he's up 14% in the last month. He's only yeah. g- get going more up. He just had a 30 ball. I- I'm going long on Jalen Brunson for sure. I don't even know if they have him as a top 10 point guard on Mojo, and Jalen's just in his age 26 season too. Mm-hmm. Next name up, Josh Hart. He's at $84. Sorry. Um, whew. Josh Hart's a hard player because his role will probably never change. Like, this is what he's going to be, right? 3 and D guy. Um, but I don't really want to short him either because he obviously he fits in New York. It seems like he enjoys New York too. Obviously, Brunson, both, uh, you know, college teammates. So if I had to choose, I would go long. But I would rather just stay away, I think, from Josh Hart. Yeah, so for reference, Trey Murphy and Christian Wood are over him. Oof. Derek White, Bones Holland, Cam Johnson, and Herb Jones are under his oh, price. Well, first of all, go long on Derek White. I think that's yes. what he said. Um, Josh Hart is the 113th ranked guard on the Mojo app, Damn. on the Mojo market. He's not the first player I'm investing in, but hold a gun in my head, Nerf gun. I'm taking Josh Hart going long. Listen, I'm cheating here. I'm not going to take any of them. Facts. <laughs> I'm not going to invest in either one. I'm only investing in Jalen Brunson long. Next name. R.J. Barrett. Well, uh, oh, I was going to say, R.J. Barrett guy. Where's he at? What's his price? Well, right now, R.J. Barrett's $125, and Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, Keegan Murray are over him. Players that are under are Kevin Herter, Buddy Heald, Michael Porter Jr., and Devin Vassell. That feels like the right spot for him, if I'm being honest. Like, I feel like he's above those guys, but below Jalen Green, uh, Keegan Murray long-term. But... In the same sense, I don't think I would do either, but if I had to lean one way, unfortunately, I think I would be shorting R.J. Barrett. Like you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, he hasn't developed, and that's a concern. He's super young still. He has the physical traits to be able to turn into a really solid two-way player, but the fact he hasn't been able to show that progression, um, it's concerning if you want to long him. Go long on him. 
I'm shorting RJ Barrett. That being said, might be the last player I'm touching. Yeah. As I've been eh, it's a little different. I would say I'm shorting RJ Barrett as well, as long as he's with the Knicks and in his current role. I think if he finds a new situation, I would take my money out of him and see what I return. But as for right now, given we have Brunson and Randall and we might trade for a big marquee guy, I'm going to short R.J. Barrett for now. Next name, Julius Randall. $169. Guys that are over him, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Ingram. Chris Middleton and Vucevic are below him. I feel like Mojo has that right too. Randall's hard, man, because, listen, I think this is what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm shorting Randall this season. Short? Or, excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm shorting Randall now. He's going to struggle next season, off on, off on. The end of next season, I'm going long. He's going to bounce back. He's not going to be a big-time mover in his age 28 season. I mean, he's in the range of, like, Jaron and Vucevic. Yeah. I think his price is going to largely stay around this $170 mark. I would short him, personally. I think I'm going to go long on Julius Randle to finish off the season because he's going to have a great playoff series. Unlike what you're saying, John, <laughs> it's pissing me off. Julius Randle's going to have a great playoff series. We're going to win a playoff series yeah. because Randle's going to show up. So that price is going up. But then you're right. You know, Randle's on and off. I might, I might just take my money out of him and, and not touch him. But Randle this season, he's good for every other year. You could go long and then if he has a good playoff run like you're predicting, take your money out and then short him for next season. And now last one. Mitchell Robinson at $108. Players that are over him, Zubac, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Keldon Johnson. Players that are under, Malcolm Brogdon and Yusuf Nurkic. Brogdon, disrespect. He's the 101st big on Mojo. Do they have Rob Will in there? I'm pretty sure they do, yeah. I wonder, is he should be above it. Rob Will is 113. What was Mitch? 108. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm I'm shorting Mitchell Robinson. Injury Short history. It? Injury history. He's a traditional big who's not going to change much throughout his career. That's a good point. His archetype by his late 20s is going to regress. Mitch has been great this year as a protector while on the floor, but two of the last three years has missed close to half the year. I would probably go short, but he's been having a good season. I'm going along on Mitchell Robinson. The disrespect. <laughs> My goodness. I'm not putting my money goodness. on him. So next, you, next time. You'd rather go long on Mitchell Robinson than RJ? It's $108, yeah. Zubats is over him, bro. I know. He's better than Zubats. Is he better than Robert Williams? It's close. You don't know ball. No, it is close. You put Mitch on the Celtics, he was DPOY too. Rob was fucking on track to last year. Yeah. Maybe not on track to, but top three. Next next episode, Celtics edition. Oh, I'm going long. I'm everybody. shorting everybody. <laughs> I'm shorting Tatum. Now I'm playing. This week in the NBA, what I have here is a stat from Coast to Coast NBA. Best and worst pull-up mid-range shooters based on percentage among on-ball guards and wings. KD is one. Kyrie is two. Luka is three. Four is Christian Wood. The Woodman. Five is Dare Fox. And six is Kawhi Leonard. Is this a Christian Wood agenda push, a De'Aaron Fox agenda push? What, what are we going for here? Listen, I, well, Kevin Durant's the best mid-range shooter in the league. I think Not that's surprising. pretty obvious. Yeah. It's interesting that the Mavericks have three players within the top six. Luka, Kyrie, and Christian Wood. I think Christian Wood does deserve more minutes. De'Aaron Fox, you know he's been doing his thing this year. Yep. And then I have the bottom four players. 78 is Jalen Green. 79 is Paolo Boncaro. 80 is Russell Westbrook. 
and 81 is Karis LeVert. The guy that is, you know, the X Factor swing guy in the series. A single game, not a series. This one a game. Shooting 33% for pull up on pull up shots. Not great. What do you got, John? Clay Thompson is the first player so after last night's comeback game in NBA history to record multiple games of 12 three point makes or more. This, this Warriors team is expecting to get Steph Curry back next week. And this year, while there's been a lot of concerns, they haven't been back to last year's level where there are a clear top three seed. They've stayed afloat without Steph now for multiple different series, different sequences of the regular season. I don't think people can overlook Golden State because while Clay Thompson is not the level of a defender he was a couple of years ago, he still is that same guy as a three-point shooter. And that for Golden State in the playoffs, a year off, technically two years off the torn ACL now, is a site you can't overlook because that right there, if any X-Factor is going to pop up in the playoffs this year, it would be Killer Clay. Killer Clay? Yeah. I like that. Um, my actually is going to tie perfectly into our next topic. I know mm. this is this week in the NBA during this week in the NFL, because mm. there's big story that broke this morning around the NFL draft and Jalen Carter. Unfortunately, um, there is a warrant out for his arrest. He's already, uh, acknowledged this around a reckless driving incident that did leave, I believe it was a Georgia player who, uh, fatally passed away due to an accident, uh, in January, I believe, um, there's a warrant out for his arrest for reckless driving. Um, and this could like, first of all, like, you know, obviously players, uh, prayers to what happened to, I don't remember the, the name off the top of my head of the man who passed away. Um, and obviously that has big implications beyond the NFL, Jalen Carter's life. But if we just want to stay on topic of the NFL and sports, this could completely change the NFL draft, completely change if the Bears want to trade the number one overall pick, completely change really the, the entire, maybe top five, top 10 of the NFL draft. Because I said earlier, there's not a ton of blue chip, uh, blue chip players there's two on the defensive side of the ball. It's Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter is, I don't want to say off the board, but it gets pushed down because this is going to be a legal proceeding. You don't know what could happen. All of a sudden, there's only one blue chip prospect on the defensive side of the ball. And maybe now the Bears are much more likely to keep number one overall, get that player instead of trading down. That's a very interesting one. Yeah, I've read that story too. It's kind of crazy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it pretty happened. sad. Yeah, it was also a uh, recruiter as well. Uh, the player's name is... Devin Willick, an offensive guard. So. Yeah. Today, uh, sorry to just change the topic onto something that's not as somber, but uh, I took a player performance double on Chris Paul today. Phoenix to win and him to have 12 assists. Phoenix did win. He had 11 assists. My goodness, bro. My luck never ends. I actually have another this week in the NBA. Let's do it. De'Aaron Fox. This season is averaging 25.6 assists, shooting 51% from the field. Highest field goal percentage by a guard that's averaging 25-plus points per game, leader in clutch points, and the first king with 25-plus points per game on 50-plus field goal percentage in a season since Oscar Robertson. Mm -hmm. I thought I'd show the kings some love and respect this podcast Mm -hmm. because the last podcast, the last two, I think it was the two, two before this one, it's a lot of disrespect on the Kings. Yeah, it's really disrespectful. It's a lot of disrespect on the Kings. Yes, a lot of disrespect on the Kings. De'Aaron's listen, I ride with Sacramento. I, I've already told Sacktown that, listen, playoff game, I'm going. Because I'm going to like the goddamn beam, baby. <laughs> I'm going to go like the goddamn beam. I got to see it in person. I bet mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I got to go in person, no doubt. One of the things the Kings are going to have over every other team in Western Conference playoffs is the crowd. 
because there may not be a more lively oh audience in all that. And Nobody's been itching more well. than Kings fans. Absolutely. And they deserve it. And during this year, what doesn't get talked about enough, we talk about his speed and athleticism. The guy has been phenomenal from mid-range all year long. Yeah, and just mentioned the pull-up. Exactly. And I think on the he's year... He's been great defensively, too. He's been good defensively. Nice. act like he's been great. Just skinny. Stretch. He should My be 51... Hate him, bro. <laughs> they I'm suck tired. defensively. They're trash defensively. defensively. They're, they're he's been, defensive he's been a good defender. Uh, he's been. He get, he get pushed around. Let's be honest. For a player, the reason why they beat the Clippers was because his late game defense. He had big time plays because of really terrible Paul George turnovers. But on the year, fifty one percent mid range shooting is ridiculous. <laughs> it's OD. I mean, for him in the past, he's around in the forties, forty six. He's gotten better and better, and he does deserve that love. And in the playoffs, we know he's going to continue to play at this level. It's great to see him finally having that opportunity to show I'm not an empty stats player. Much like Devin Booker, the wordless labels on him. And he's quite clearly going to win the Clutch Player of the Year. I mean, he's going to be a great first option for that award because uh, what he is doing right now is pretty extraordinary. The Kings are new? special, man. Clutch it's brand new this year, yep. Oh, tough. Yep. I wasn't even aware. Did you know? look at that? Fox should definitely win that. Yeah, mm-hmm. not for sure. Most Clutch points in the NBA. Yeah. I wish they would have had it in like 2015. Even though Jason Tatum... Best shooter in 24 seconds or less when the game starts. That's like the last five years. The NFL yeah, should have that award. This year would have been Kirk Cousins. Even if he lost in the playoffs against the Giants. Where he, he had the Daniel most Jones? fourth quarter comebacks in the NFL that he year. Could, he could have had a fourth quarter comeback against the Giants. Well, he could have, yeah. But, I mean, come on. Respect him. And he if it was... Got uh, in the first round. If it was 2010 in the NFL, Josh Freeman would have won that. <laughs> okay. Like, what, is, what does that matter? Josh Freeman had a great year that year, man. Okay. Okay. 2010. He was amazing. Such a random name to bring up. Josh Freeman. Respect Josh Freeman, please, bro. Said Jalen Carter could fall to the Jags at 25. Chicago Bears are leaning towards trading the top pick. What are your thoughts? Adam Schefter has reported that the Bears could have a feeding frenzy for the number one pick, and their GM, Ryan Pulse, has admitted that, listen, we have to be blown away to, to keep the pick and draft a the quarterback. They're going to they're gonna trade the pick. So what are what are your thoughts on this and what Ryan Pohl said? It might be outdated. The Adam Schefter quote or report because if this Jalen Carter stuff does progress and there's gonna be real concerns about his availability in the season with these, you know, likely court proceedings, it could change everything for the Bears, as I alluded to earlier. There's two blue chick blue I can't fucking say blue chip prospects defensively. It's Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. So all of this time leading up to the draft, it's been, okay, Chicago could trade down to two or to four. We're expecting the top two picks if they trade down to be quarterbacks. So then the Cardinals could take Anderson or Carter at three, letting the next one be available for them at four. With this, it's different now because there does seem to be a pretty sizable gap between Carter slash Anderson and the next defensive player or honestly next player available on the board whether you want to go offense or defense. So before this news happens, I was for it. I think it makes sense. The Bears have holes everywhere, right? I don't think there's a single position group on this team you could look at and say it's set in stone. We don't have to worry about it. They have holes everywhere. Even though I know everyone's going to talk about offensive line, I think the offensive line is better than it gets credit for because Justin Fields holds onto the ball the longest in the NFL. Um, so the fact that if you could trade down, get extra picks, get extra first-round picks, especially next year, extra second-round picks, really high-value guys that could start for you this year, I think matters more than that number one overall pick. With that being said, I don't think it's ludicrous to explore the idea of drafting a quarterback at number one overall. I don't think it's crazy. And I'm a Justin Fields guy. I think I still have faith in him without a doubt. But I still have to be realistic with him, right? Just because I like a guy doesn't mean I could just be completely blind-eyed. That's kind of how it was with Zach Wilson entering this season, and it backfired. So I want to right my wrongs. 
if we're being honest with Justin Fields, he was a great prospect coming out of Ohio State. He's been in the NFL for two years now. And in those two seasons, he got hurt in both of those years. His completion percentage is 60% and moved from 58 his first year to 60% this year. It's really not great. His coaching staff for the first month of the season this year didn't even trust him. I mean, he was having 17, 15, 12 passing attempts in those games in a 2022 NFL season is absolutely ridiculous. And I get it. Some of the team is bad, right? The receivers, his best receiver this last two years has been Darnell Mooney and really nothing around that. His running backs, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert are solid, but not top 10 guys, guys that could change an offense. And his offensive line, I think, improved this year. His rookie year was bad. Overall, not a great offensive line, but I think PFF ranked him out to 14th overall this past season, which is mm-hmm. a minimum average, right? If you have a good quarterback, if you have the 14th rated offensive line, see no, expectations. One, no one's talking about your offensive line if it's 14th rated, right? Um, but with Justin Fields struggling so much, you do have to look at the quarterback class, right? And the only issue or the only reason I don't think they go quarterback is none of them fit. Bryce Young, I think he's QB1 in this class. I don't think the fit is right for Chicago. Cold weather, you're going to be outside. Bryce Young is smaller. He has nowhere near the type of arm Justin Fields has. He's more accurate. His arm strength is definitely in question compared to Justin Fields. So throwing in bad weather, windy weather, snowy conditions, rainy conditions, I have questions around that for Justin Fields. You can talk about CJ Stroud. He's bigger. He has the bigger arm. Um, overall, he's probably the more, uh, he's the better pocket quarter, at least the bare minimum than Justin Fields is. That I could possibly get in, get talked into. But then you also have questions around CJ Stroud. You know, is he just a product of having three or four first round receivers on him for these last two or three years? Is it because um, guys are wide open because he's playing at Ohio State and the competition isn't at the, you know, insanely high level um, that you see someone like Bryce Young play in the SEC? So I do think there are some questions around C.J. Stroud as well. But for the Chicago Bears, I think their best bet is still to trade down, get those extra assets, really build a team around him, and then hopefully this next season is going to be make or break for Justin Fields. In the two seasons, they have not won more than six games. And honestly, more of those wins have come with guys not named Justin Fields than with Justin Fields. So if you're not able to get past that 5-6 win mark this season, there's a chance next year we could be talking about potentially getting a quarterback. The only issue is they're probably not going to have number one overall pick. Next year, number one overall pick, Caleb Williams, is a completely generational player compared to this quarterback class. So it feels like if you want to go a new direction for quarterback, this might be the year because next year maybe you're picking at seven or eight and nobody in the top two, unless they already have a quarterback or someone got injured, is going to be training that pick away. I think we got to stop this. Justin Fields' last season, look, he was very raw as a passer. He also led the NFL in explosive plays for a quarterback. He had three different rushes of 50 yards and more. He has a long ways to go as a quarterback, but there is no such thing as a perfect quarterback prospect with exception to the very rare few. Andrew Luck, Joe Burrow was close to it, and Trevor Lawrence. This is not the draft. With Bryce Young being five foot ten. And with Anthony Richardson's lack of defense, there's no such thing as perfect quarterback prospect. And with Justin Fields, you have one of the most dynamic athletes we've seen in the last decade, but you also have a great kid. And when you're looking sure. at project quarterbacks, the most important thing is that character. And he's shown some of that progress with the Bears offense that, look, Darnell Mooney gets hurt this last year. His number one receiver for part of the season was Chase Claypool. And part of what Ryan Poles talked about in his press conference over the series, look, we have to get him the weapons and he has to develop as well. It's not just, you know, Justin Fields being a raw player at 23. It's this Bears organization having no meat on the bone in terms of weapons on the outside. I think for the Bears, all the people saying you have to explore training Justin Fields, no, you don't. Justin Fields is your guy long-term. You see this year, if he doesn't develop, then you change your plans. 
But we talk about stability all the time at the quarterback position. Teams that don't have it, and oftentimes those are the teams that disappoint us the most. Teams like the Colts, the Commanders, and with Justin Fields, there is no guarantee. I mean, if he went to this draft class, if you're putting him in with Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young, he'd be one, right? And he's still 23 years old, right? So to me, it's a no-brainer. You keep Fields long-term. You shouldn't have to think about training the kid. And the ultimate decision is, Who's going to get more assets than number one overall selection? The Colts or the Texans? Because those are two teams that are quarterback needy. You leverage those two division rivals against one another. Whoever gives you more long-term assets, you take that because your team sucks. There is no, I don't, I can't name you a single player on this defensive line. I can't do it. It's bad. Before you go, Joel, the one thing I will say, just to counteract, Justin Fields, a prospect, without a doubt, was QB1 in this class. Yeah. This isn't Justin Fields, the prospect. This is year three, Justin Fields. Prospects are the best thing because everyone has best case scenario in their minds. Bryce Young's going to hit. Shroud's going to hit. Richardson's going to hit. Everyone's going to hit and be great quarterbacks as a prospect. That brought me Sam Darnold flashbacks. <laughs> but now we're two years into Justin Fields. So we can't say prospect Justin Fields because we have two years of tape on him being a extremely raw passer. I think more raw of a passer than anyone was expecting. It's different, though, because he came in middle of the year last year for a Bears team that had no offensive line. Matt Nagy on the, on the ropes. But he just said they were, our offensive line was pretty good. This past season. 20, his rookie season. Yeah, his rookie okay. year. 2021, it, was, it, was, it was a disaster. You throw him out to the Wolves. He wasn't ready day one. To me, I feel like we're just going to year two with Justin because that first year for him was a lost year. You have a new that system. sounds a lot like Zach Wilson. Man. Sounds a lot like Trevor Lawrence. But he didn't get Doug Peterson this last year. We still have to wait and see with Matt Eberflus. I think he did a good job. He didn't have anything on the defensive front. I think we had to stop with the Justin Fields talk, but to your point, I think it's most likely they trade the number one overall pick because Bryce Young, TJ Stroud, good enough quarterback prospects, one a high floor, the other very alluring skill set to the point where they can get multiple ones probably. I think for that first overall pick, the way the Giants got multiple ones for Justin Fields, who they trade for, what was it, pick 10, 12 around that mix? So Listen, it's not most likely. They are going to trade the pick, and they're going to trade it to one of these quarterback needy teams, either the Colts or Texans, and given Chris Ballard's desperation for a quarterback, it, I think the Colts are going to move up to number one. They're going to draft mm -hmm. Bryce Young. I think Shane Steichen and Bryce Young is, is a really good fit, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's a similar scheme, so I think Bryce Young will work out there. The Bears have so many holes that I don't think drafting a quarterback right now makes sense for them, especially a quarterback that isn't a surefire prospect. And I think even if Field struggles... Next year, there's going to be a lot of great quarterbacks in the class. Caleb, Drake May, Quinn Ewers might be available, I'm pretty sure. I mean, listen, the quarterback draft class is going to be very good next year. This is an interesting stat. The Bears scored on 70.6% of their opening drives last season, number one in the NFL, number three in points per drive, number four in drives to reach red zone, and number four in EPA per play. Every drive after the first, the opening drive, they rank yeah, number 23 in points per drive and 24th in EPA per play. Their opening game script is amazing, but once defenses figure them out, and specifically that passing offense because it was very elementary, mm. it's not a secret. Fields was a bad passer last year. He was a bad passer. Yeah. But you also have to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt that he has no receivers. I think Darnell Mooney is a number three on the team. I don't think I he's think one two. or two. No, I think he's number three on the team. Gabe Davis is two. He's Gabe two. Davis could have had 1,000 yards with the Bears, bro. Shut up. Yes, he could have. Mooney, Mooney, Mooney actually, Mooney had actually it. clears. If Darnell Mooney had it, Gabe Davis could have had it. Mooney clears. Stop playing, man. But all I'm saying is that 
they get a treasure chest of assets from trading the first pick. You can rebuild this team. They need everything. Wide receiver, I think offensive line would help. Defensive end, defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs. They need everything. I, I think, you know, you found they, they at least addressed two positions in last year's draft with Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. So now I think they need to find a linebacker replacement for, for Roquan Smith. And that defensive line is horrible. So you got to bring in some talent on that defensive line. I think that they're going to trade back and, and draft somebody like Will Anderson or a uh, Murphy. You know, I think even, Ty- Tyree Wilson, I even, believe. Even if Jalen Carter, let's say a week from now, the rumor is Jalen Carter's not going top 10. It's not going to happen. Now, all of a sudden, it's Will Anderson, and that's it for an elite prospect. Does that change either of your opinions of trading down? Not that they go quarterback, obviously, in this case, but maybe now they go Will Anderson. No. Still trade down? The the picks you'll get, you need to – I don't think one player is going to fix this team. So I think from the picks you get, you can draft multiple players, and I think that will be a benefit to them. Yeah, depends on the package, I guess. Especially – listen, I think then it makes all the sense in the world to trade down to two instead of trading down to four because then you can still get Will Anderson – and all of a sudden, the Texans get more leverage because they know the Bears don't want to trade down to four and miss out on Will Anderson. They could trade up from two to one. Maybe they don't have to give up. They could probably give up a second-round pick, and that's all it'll take, knowing the Bears are going to take Will Anderson regardless. Mm-hmm. So this, honestly, might be best news for, for the Texans out of everybody. Yeah. Now, Bryce Young is not throwing at the combine. And that's shocking news because C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis will all be thrown at the combine. Do you think this is a bad look on Bryce Young to not do that? This doesn't move me. Um... We know Bryce Young is accurate. The biggest issue would have been if Anthony Richardson didn't throw. He's someone that you could look at 50-ish completion percentage between 50 and 60 this past season at Florida. Um, so he was the big one I was looking for. Are you going to throw up the combine when you can't script the throws? You know, you have NFL guys saying what throws to make. Um, and obviously you're in front of everybody, not at your own college. So the, the setting and the scenario is different. Bryce Young, I know he's accurate. I know he could throw the ball. There, there's nothing that Bryce Young is going to do throwing at the combine that I don't know already. And the issue with throwing at the combine is nothing positive is going to come out of it, right? Only negative things are going to happen. If you throw at the combine and you have a stinker, everyone's going to talk about Mm -hmm. it. If you're at the combine and you're great, you're supposed to be great. You're in t-shirt and shorts against no defense playing against air in a dome. You're expected to go out there, complete every pass, make it look pretty. So for Bryce Young, he's played at Bama for multiple seasons. Like we know what Bryce Young is as the player. His biggest, I think his biggest issue or not issue, but the one thing everyone's going to look at is when he does his measurables. How tall is he? Is he 5'9"? Is he 5'11"? That's going to be the biggest issue. I think people are going to go crazy. Yeah. Personally, he's 5'9", 5'10", 5'11". I don't care a ton. I think his role as a quarterback in the NFL is going to be an improviser-type role. He's not going to be a guy who could just sit back in the pocket and tear you apart because of his height. That's going to be his biggest hurdle to overcome, not throwing against the air defense. I agree. And Bryce Young is one of those quarterbacks where you saw at Alabama how dynamic a grader he was out of structure and even in structure. It's a matter of that size. Like, that's for GMs, you look around the NFL, and especially when you're on the ropes, a guy like Chris Ballard, you need to take somebody at quarterback that you have full trust in. You talked before about the Colts maybe training up, but Bryce Young, it's not a matter of his skill set, right? He's gotten the Drew Brees comparisons with a little bit more mobility. It's simply a matter of taking a five foot 10 quarterback. When we're seeing Tua miss all this time at his size, he's even less mobile. I mean, that is the only downside, I feel like, to his sky report, wouldn't it be? Yeah, I think that his size is a big-ass concern to me. You know, a pause. I think I think <laughs> hey, he's 5'10", he's 5'9". Five, five, he's what, 190 pounds? Yeah. 
listen, I, I struggle with that. I sh- we just saw how much times Matt Ryan got hit behind the Colts' offense. But, but Bryce Young's so and mobile. The Colts' offense line is getting a little bit better later on in the year. All I'm saying is that, I, listen, I do think that this is a battle for Bryce Young. I want you to go out there and compete. I want you to do that. I, I want Ant Richardson, Levis, CJ, sure. they're all throwing. Listen, you're, you're the only guy that's not throwing. If all these guys sat out and didn't throw, I understand it. He's the only one not participating. But would you think that he has the least to prove? In, no. in terms of this situation where you're just throwing against air, he has the least to prove. I think that when we talk about the combine and pro day, a pro day is a scripted environment yes. where – you are scripting every throw that you're comfortable making that you can wow scouts with. Mm-hmm. A combine is different because you're making throws that NFL level throws. You're making these throw, you're making throws that coaches want to see you make. Mm-hmm. And I think the combine is going to help out possibly Richardson or Levis the most because they have the most physical tools. And I think if Richardson has an accurate day, mm-hmm. that can skyrocket his his draft stock. I think. And Levis, you know, I don't know why. I have this weird feeling that the Colts are just going to go AWOL and, like, you know, trade up for, like, Will Levis, bro. That's That's been, honestly, the hot rumor because we know Ballard loves his guys with the physical traits more than anything. And, I mean, Richardson's uh, right up there with him in terms of physical traits. I think it's even more traits. Nah, or, he he know, has more traits. More yeah. traits than Levis. Um, but, obviously, there's accuracy concerns with, with Richardson. And, to an extent, Levis, too. But, Richardson, one-year starter at Florida. It is the SEC, which obviously makes you feel better than yeah. uh, Levis playing in Kentucky. Um, but the concerns are real because I was talking to Joel. I think it was off the pod. Um, I started doing some scouting on Richardson. I think he could process. Like, I don't think he has an issue processing what's going on in the field in front of him. His issue is once he's processing it, can he accurately deliver the ball to the open receiver? That's his issue, right? That's why he's completing around 55% of his passes. A lot of that I still think has to do with, I mean, this guy has started 14 career college games, right? Like you're, you're expecting a lot out of somebody who does not have a lot of, you know, experience Mm -hmm. um, and reps doing these things. But I think it's a pro or a positive that he did it in the SEC, although he did struggle at times. He also had some highlights that when you're in those meeting rooms, we're in the war room and you put those tapes on, you could say he's going up against high level competition. He's beating guys. He's, he's fashioning these guys, strong, these guys, bigger than these guys. And these are NFL guys he's going up against in the SEC. I think that'll be his biggest, at least sticking point when it comes to Richardson versus Levis. Cause I think QB one and two between Bryce Young and Stroud feels pretty, you know, set in stone that those are the top two guys. So I'm going to, Name quarterbacks that are quarterback needy. Okay. These teams. So I, I, I kind of broke them up into two tiers, right? The teams that are quarterback needy, and I kind of have an option for them. Mm-hmm. Those are the Texans, Coach, Jets, Panthers, and Raiders. And then the next tier, it's called I have no idea what's happening. So the Buccaneers, I don't I don't know who their quarterback's gonna be. Or the Saints or the Falcons or the Commanders. You know, that to me, like they're the huge question marks. So going down this list. Teams that need a quarterback, the Houston Texans, I think that the best option for them is Bryce Young. You play you play in, in good weather. You don't have to throw it into gusting winds. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. The Colts, C.J. Stroud to me feels like the likely option. You can flip the two, though. Bryce Young could go to the Colts, C.J. to the Texans. The Jets, I have them getting Aaron Rodgers. The news that just came out that the Raiders will not pursue Rodgers is big time because I think that puts the Jets in the front seat to get him. The Panthers, man, Frank Wright just Frank Wright just said Derek Carr is in his prime. I think Derek Carr is going to Carolina. You know what? 
But that all-star coaching staff with the young talent they have on that team. That developing O-line, too. Yes, I think Derek Carr in Carolina is going to be amazing. Perfect. That is I love that. destination for him. Yeah, and he'd easily be the what? The third best quarterback in the conference? Yeah, by far the best <laughs> in the division. Yeah, like, I'll trust. Der- yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> Derek Carr, is, I said this before, he cannot play in the cold, but you put him in Carolina, he is in a much, much more favorable position than the AFC East or the AFC North, something along those lines. Um, the Raiders, okay. sorry, you were no, about no, to no, no. The Raiders, I have them going and getting Jimmy Garoppolo. It's either Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett. Josh Yanos is familiar with both. And then I have no idea what's happening. The Bucks, For some reason, Carson Wentz has plus 300 odds to go there. I, I don't know if the Carson Bucks? wants to go to Tampa. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, I wonder, I guess, is he favored to go there? Is he like the best he, odds? Plus yeah. 300? I, mean, it's just, I guess there's nobody else really available. They don't have a high Kyle pick. Kyle Trask. The GM says they like Trask, but I guess you kind of have to say that, right? He's the only quarterback on the roster. The Saints, I have a bunch of question marks. I what really if James don't know. goes back? Yeah, I don't think that's... Is he still under contract? And no. Um, Andy Dawson is neither. The Falcons, I have Desmond yeah. Ritter. And the Commanders is Sam Howell. Word. Um, I did my top five. I had the Jets also getting Aaron Rodgers. I have the Texans taking Bryce Young. I have the Colts taking Will Levis. I do think Ballard... With his whole traits thing that he seems to always, you know, uh, really favor in the draft is gonna is gonna take Levis over a guy like maybe C.J. Stroud. The Raiders, I also have getting Jimmy G. And the Panthers, I also have getting Derek Carr. So we saw basically I I think the uh, Colts one was the only one we had different. So the um, Jets get Aaron. I think so, man. Rogers. I do. I do think so. He had a. I didn't watch his whole podcast with. I don't know who he was on. Um, but he basically said he said retirement sounds awesome. Playing for a new team sounds awesome. So who knows with Aaron Rodgers, but he did say that he wants to kind of figure this out quickly. He doesn't really want to drag on, um, which is thank God, because we need to figure this shit out quick. Cause if yeah. not, we're going to move on Derek Carr. If not, we got to find somebody else. The Jets, a report just came out that we're open to quarterback options. That, that includes bringing back Geno Smith. Mm. I mean, <laughs> so a couple of different Gino. things here. Top three quarterbacks that are unrestricted for agents. Number one, Derek Carr, number two, Geno Smith, number three, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. So, first so off, gross. yeah, let's start off with the Raiders. They've been irrelevant for a while now. I do not think Jimmy Garoppolo is the move for them. Like the McDaniels connection, maybe? Even still, you need to take a swing if you're them, but you also have a lot of different holes in that roster. Aaron Rodgers will cost a lot that they don't really have enough to give up, but let's not even talk about them as much. So, for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter is not the guy. I want to see the Falcons go out there, Anthony Richardson. With Arthur Smith's offense, the offensive line that they're building, they need to take a swing. That's another team. We probably know what Desmond Murder is. It's not going to be one of those high-level quarterbacks, right? We saw him coming into the draft. He was not one of those elite-level prospects. He did not blow you away last year. Now, he showed some development. My problem with the Falcons is that they're probably going to waste a year with Desmond Ritter when you could probably get a better. It's my bet, Parlay John. I'm almost going to hit. What are you missing? Garland needs four more points with five minutes left in the fourth, and Jalen Williams needs four more PRA with, with a quarter left. Hmm. You should get that. Garland is, is stressing me. My goodness, Garland. He should get the sex. Uh, we're up, I mean, we're up 13 with like five minutes left. Finish your thought, thought, thought Joe, though, John. Anthony Richardson needs to go to a place where run oriented offense, they have the weapons. Come on, bro. Is that us? What are you talking about? And then you also get to pair Anthony Richardson back up with Kyle Pitts, that Florida connection as well. He was the backup there in, in Pitts' last year, but nonetheless, that's a cool attraction. And, and Kyle then Pitts. for the Colts, 
I do not think CJ Stroud would be the likely move. Stroud's a good prospect. He's got a high floor, right? I've seen a lot of people compare him to Garoppolo, not Garoppolo, uh, Jared Goff with more athleticism, especially, you know, top end speed. But if I'm the Colts with Shane Steichen coming in, I want to take a swing. We saw him with Justin Herbert. We saw him with Jalen Hurts. Anthony Richardson's another great option for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Will Levis. I feel like that's the team that would be most interested because you talk about the traits. Levis at Kentucky had a terrible team around him. That's a pretty, I think that's a pretty likely possibility at four, is it? And then yeah. lastly for the Jets, it's a no-brainer. You have to go out to Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry, but Derek Carr is not leading you to the AC Championship game in a conference where, look, the Jets do not play in a warm environment. It's not cozy. Carr has been pretty bad in the past. I talked about it before. You need a swing for the fences here. And you know, Listen, I like Carr. I, I, would, I would welcome both quarterbacks. It doesn't matter to me. With open arms. <sighs> But the it's just I have a problem with you guys making it well you Derek Carr making is it not sound like Derek Carr is like oh if we get him it's the end of the world because he's not a fit with you guys yes, he's he a good quarterback a well, I don't think he's a fit New York you think Derek Carr thrive in New York yes why not so why not I why saw I talked about like personality or just a cold this last year for him is pretty bad playing against a, a shaky offensive line at best you don't know who's gonna get left out twenty four touchdowns and twelve interceptions is bad I'm talking about the fit Derek Carr is peak. Top 12 quarterback. But the Raiders were an advantageous spot for him. He had Devontae Adams this last year, and he struggled with Devontae to get it done. No, he didn't. Devontae had an elite season. Yeah, oh, and there were games great. like it's the Steelers, and Devontae had two catches, 17 yards. Because is that, is that Derek Carr or is that the offense? It's Derek Carr because he played a shit game, had three interceptions, played terrible <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> he's he's animated. Like, like, you're not every game you're going to put up 100 yards and touchdown. Like, well, Jefferson's had bad games. What I'm saying is there have been stinkers had by bad Derek games. Carr where if you put him in that Jets environment with a bad O-line, cold weather, and a fan base that is really desperate, I don't think he's going to actually exceed. You guys have high expectations as a team. He's, he's also not had some of the you. most fourth-quarter comebacks in the NFL since entering. So did Kirk Cousins. So did Daniel Jones. You're not looking at those guys. Or no. At least Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Daniel not Jones Daniel last Jones. year. I'm saying Derek Carr as a, as a quarterback in total. This past season, he's saying bro, Daniel the, Jones. The Raider, the, for one, let's, let's get some narratives out the way, bro. Devontae Adams had an elite-level wide receiver 1500. season. Darren Waller was average and injured. Hunter Renfro was average and, and injured. injured. Josh Jacobs ran the ball very well, mm-hmm. but the running game was uh, was benefited by the passing game. It wasn't they weren't a run first team. They were a pass first team, and the run game was benefited by that. The offensive line was shaky. They had one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and the Raiders lost eight games by one possession. Mm-hmm. That's not all on car, bro. A couple things go differently. The Raiders are our playoff team, and Carr has a lot of fourth-quarter comebacks and, and game-winning drives. All I'm saying is that let, let's stop acting like Carr was in a situation where he was. it was a great situation. It wasn't, and Josh McDaniels is not a good coach. He's been through He's how not. many coaches and how much turmoil in the Raiders between ownership and players and GMs. It's never been easy for Derek Carr. Oh, no, he's been failed perennially by the, the Raiders, and I said it before. Cora was an MVP <laughs> candidate, a top 12 quarterback at his peak, but it's Nathaniel Hackett. Organization. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. If I, you know, he's getting a huge upgrade there. With Nathaniel Hackett, I do not have trust in that duo coordinator and coach leading the Jets to say Hackett was great though, last year. As a play caller, he was, man. Fourth there, most there is one, I was going to say, there is one stat that shows Hackett is a great play caller, and we're taking that to the Numbers don't lie, but you can use them to... Whatever their problem is Russell maybe. Wilson. He sucks. He's not great. That was their problem. Wait, that was, that that was the bigger. That was the bigger issue. His system didn't fit Russ. Exactly. You need an offensive coordinator that can maximize a quarterback. You That's know a fact. But, Derek Carr. I mean, yeah. is there is the offense change a ton between Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. I'm gonna oh, be honest. Boy. You cannot even name me th- two offense coordinators Derek Carr's had. 
He's had no notable ones. That's, that's a good point. He's had what five or six. Through his had time? a lot. He's had a lot. And Josh McDaniels had six head coaches. Yeah, Josh McDaniels this <laughs> last year. He, McDaniels always struggled, especially in close games as well. It's not all on Carr, but I think for the Jets, Rodgers is the only option that's going to lead to the East Championship game. I understand. <sighs> he not. He might might be right. A lot of quarterback needy teams. We'll see what happens with them. This is going to do it for episode 259 of the Pick Aside Podcast. Thank you guys for joining the live stream. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast. Make sure you guys leave a like on this stream. It helps tremendously. Next show, I'm expecting to get Riv and Drew back. We're still going to find a way to implement John in the show. I mean, he's always in the room with us, you know, but it's just about is getting Drew him a microphone. Back? I guess we're recording. I don't know recording. Unless it's Friday, Saturday, Saturday, we can see yeah. it. You know, we'll see. But thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys next time. This is Kirk Henderson from Pod Maverick, a Dallas Mavericks podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.